Mike Murphy, uh-huh. Fred Hubner, uh-huh. Murph and Fred, back together again on ESPN 1000. How you doing, everybody? Beautiful. Set. The last couple Saturdays, rainy, drizzly, cruddy. Oh, not today. Oh. Sunny and uh, not, all, not all that hot or not all that cold. Well, which is it, Fred? Yeah, it's hot. No, it's not all that hot or not all that cold, <laughs> to be honest with you. It's wonderful. It's around 50. Yeah, I love Really it. nice. Yesterday was almost 60. Yeah. Yeah, gorgeous. And we're going to have a couple 60-degree days this week, so... That's the way to end the month of November. And the leaves are still on the oak trees, so. Char- on Charles Oakley? Yeah. Uh, Hopefully tree. they fall before it snows. Yeah. We can all rake them up. All right, busy day. Glad you're with us. I'm Mike Murphy's Fred Hubner. Nine till noon. We're going to stop uh, around 10 o'clock and talk a little baseball. Mark Gonzalez, featured baseball man over at Beat Reporter over at the Chicago Tribune, said, yeah, I'll phone Murph in front around 10 a.m. 11 o'clock. Uh, one of our my favorite guys. Fred, you love Sam Smith. Everybody He's loves the best. Sam Smith. Basketball guru. Sam also did on his uh, Ask Sam mailbox yeah. the Bulls' top 10 of all time. His own Bulls' top oh, 10 of all time. Oh, that would be sweet. Yeah, so we can take a look at that when we get him out around 11. Is that his new book, or is that his next book after the new one that's out now? Well, you know, it would be a, th- <laughs> it would be a thin book if it was just in the Bulls' top 10 of all time. Books cost too much, so I open thin books. Yeah, no, his uh-huh. other his other new book just out uh, yeah. called Hard Labor. Nice. Hard Labor by Sam okay. Smith. I mean, right now, Hard Labor is covering the Bulls. Well, we have a lot to cover ourselves. Bulls, uh, not too much to talk about last night's game, though. There were some sidebars we hey, will get were- to. That, they were winning after the first quarter. They were. Lovey Smith would have been happy. I think they were tied or winning about uh, three, four, five minutes into the second quarter. That's right. And then all heck broke loose. Yeah. And, uh, I got to see the guy that uh, they got $3.5 million to trade the rights to in the second uh, round. One uh, Jordan Bell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll talk about him. High flying act. He looked pretty interesting. But the yeah, $3.5 million. Someone should have put him on his tail. That's right. Smart ass. Should have Fred out there. That's just me. Bird dogging them all around. Uh-huh. Why not? All right, lots to do. Uh, also, uh, crazy stats. I found three of them. We'll get to that. I've got an idea. Every week, Murph has an idea. And okay. Every, every week, they're pretty much roundly laughed at, as uh, <laughs> well they should be. But Fred uh, and uh, Eric, you know, 11, uh, helping us out as he does uh, every Saturday, did a great job on some sound bites here. Wonder why. Uh, a touch on something with everybody, uh, Fred, Eric, all our fine listeners. There, there, there's something that's uh, always always been in the back of my mind. Maybe we've touched on this over the many years, Fred. Mm-hmm. Before uh, I got into radio, I'd always watch the Bears game with the TV sound down, the you know national call, and had the local radio up. Well, it made sense because for the longest time you couldn't see the home games. Well, there so. was another thing. right, yeah. so you had to listen to them on the radio. That's right, people. There was a time where you did not see Bears right. home games. In fact, uh, I just saw today Dish Network and CBS Local, I don't know, nationally agreed. So yeah. there's two Bears games coming up. We'll be on CBS later in the year. Usually the game's against the other conference, but not always. It's really ragtag the way you try to figure out. Yeah, you, it used to be, a, there used to be rhyme and reason. Now they've changed You're a little exactly bit. Exactly yeah. right. But that was settled, so uh, if you have the dish, you'll get your beloved Bears, and then you won't have to go to the game. And, That's right. Uh, be out there. 10,000 decided not to go last week. <laughs> I know, Christmas Eve. Over, under, 30,000. So 
I loved listening to the radio, regardless over the years uh, who the Bears, uh, uh, you know, analyst was, the play-by-play. They'd hopscotch around different radio stations. That didn't matter. You have Joe McConnell. Oh, you, yeah, have, yeah. Uh, you have Wayne Larrabee. Oh, man, I go yeah. back to Brickhouse and Irv Cups. And That's right. But, and Cup didn't give you much of analysis. But no. You would always get the X's and O's. And like EO11 pointed out in the pre-show love fest, that, you know, it'd be slanted. Well, yeah, it's the home call. Right. Exactly right, Eric, as opposed to the national, like, you know, Tom Brenneman and uh, Spielman. We've had for a couple, two, three weeks. Two in a row, yeah. But uh, so I realized when I got into radio that no longer could I, it took me a while to realize that the fans are watching. No one listens unless you're in the car. Into the game on the radio. Well, plus it's difficult too because there's a delay. Uh, it didn't used to be. No. Well, there there was always a little bit of a delay. Way back, I think. Though, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. But but now there's a little bit of a delay, so it's tough to sync mm. up the radio call to your TV. They mm-hmm. they suggest you do it, and then they try to explain it to you, and I say, yeah. you know what, is just I know too complicated. But to come on the radio and only have uh, listened to the radio a call, I found out was uh, not only uh, foolish but uh, also stupid. Oh yeah, because everyone you'd be talking to is the guy on the radio, like me or you, Fred, or anybody. Uh, the, the listeners are great fans, like yourself out there, had watched on TV. So they usually had a whole different agenda than I had because, quite honestly, you're you know you're you're often swayed a little bit by what you're hearing and. Uh, a great case in point was this past Sunday with okay. the Bears. Tom Brenneman doing the call. Now, I only watch TV now and, you know, and see. Okay, so Tom Brenneman. All right, I got a cool little hot number. We're going to fly through this uh, first. Uh, let's call this, uh, okay, item uh, number one. If the Bears had not moved down the field, Fred, and uh, had that makeable, though missed field goal, yep. all week, you know what the uh, topic would have been in Chicago? What? John Fox, terrible clock management. Call in. Call in to Waddle. Call in to all our guys. Call in to Sylvie. Call in to everybody. Cap and company. And I'm talking about all across the radio, all across the TV, all across every social media would have been, oh, man, if they had not had a chance to kick the makeable field. Right. All right? If they'd have run out of time. Yep. Oh, my gosh. That's all you would have heard. John Fox, terrible clock management. Get rid of them. And you know what? Would have been possibly true, uh-huh. but it would have been certainly because of Tom Brenneman. All right? Okay. Item number two. The Bears needed all three timeouts at the end of the game to stop the clock in the last minute. Sure did. And uh, that was critical uh, to finally have the chance for the, again, makeable field goal. But yet, no one said John Fox, great job. No. Holding back those uh, timeouts. Well, you know what it is. You, no. get, you get criticized if you screw your job up. If you uh-huh. do your job right, nobody tells you anything because <laughs> they figure you're getting paid to do the job the correct way. Yeah. So. Item number three if the Bears had not uh, gotten off that makeable field goal, John Fox would have been roasted uh, by not just by the fans, but maybe even by his bosses because they would have heard the fans and they would have heard Tom Brenneman. By the way, we have some sound to back this up in a moment. Item number four. This is my opinion. Tom Brenneman, he knew John Fox is on the hot seat. Fox TV knew that John Fox is on the hot seat. They had their little Thursday or Friday uh, pre-production TV meetings or whatever. They're all in town. And you know they're sitting around the table. 
And I'm not saying this is right or wrong. This is how it works. And the production crew is telling the on-air guys and the graphics guys and the director and the TV camera guys, you know, keep, a, keep a shot on Fox. You know, He's on the hot seat. So everybody knew he was on the hot seat and might have been human nature for a guy like Tom Brenman to say, well, you know what? If he's on a hot seat, I'm going to turn the heat up. Yep. That's what everybody wants. My bosses want it. The fans want it. Everybody wants it. Item number five. It took a lot of guts by John. And I'm not a John Fox apologist. I never wanted the guy in the first place. Uh-huh. And you, Fred, know that. And you didn't yep. want him. Then you for a then while. Flipped, and now yeah. you, but you've, you've reflipped. No, no, I don't have any. I don't have any. Doesn't matter to me with the players he has. Nobody could be winning with this team. Well, you almost did. Uh, well, you did. Uh, you're admitting that you did a 180, but now it's a 360. Just you're actually about, back to where you were. Yeah, just about. So we're not apologizing for John Fox, nor am I saying this should save his job. But let the record show. It took a lot of guts by John Fox not to burn his timeouts while Detroit had the ball. Mm-hmm. As they were marching to try to get the go-ahead field goal, he could have stopped the clock, stopped the clock, stopped the clock, so he'd have a little more time, which is which is conventional often. And that's what Brenneman was. Stop the clock, Fox. Stop the clock on the sideline. Stop the. You're burning valuable time. Well, he didn't. No. Call timeouts. No, he didn't. And he needed them. Item number six. Fox saved all three timeouts to drive down the field for that makeable. Game time field goal. Item number seven. And here I think is a really key fact. Win or lose the game, it was a great clock management teaching moment for Mitch Trubisky. Here's a guy. He's got the ball now with uh, about a minute, a little over a minute. Uh, the ball's kicked off. I heard you talking, Fred, about Cohen should have downed it. And, you know, we'll Every, talk. Yeah. yeah, we'll bring that up. Good. And uh, good points. And uh, though we did do a poll about three weeks ago, should he run them all out for the chance to pop the one like the first album and out any, of the and, any, and anybody that said yes, this would be wrong. Well, I said yes. No, would you be wrong? I know. I know. <laughs> four times. Four times this past week. He took the ball out of the end zone. He got to the 25, the 22, twice, and the 17. Yeah. They give you the ball at the 25, stay in the end zone. I know, but if he don't pop But it, if, but if. You heard the old one. But a, if, the yeah, what if bell. If the dog didn't stop, he would have caught the rabbit. Someone stole my what if What'd bell. What the dog stop for? Winner, well, we can't win say Win or that. lose, though, it was a great learning experience uh-huh. for Trubisky to be in the game. It was great. That's with, what we do. You know, back uh, deep, got to march yep. down, get in the field goal range, a minute or whatever, a minute to go in the game. You got your three timeouts, sideline pass, sideline pass, throw it away, a sideline pass, you know, timeout when you need. It was great for him. All right. And item number eight. Here is what you would call the key. Item number eight. The Bears, we know, they missed the game-tying field goal, but they marched down. The three timeouts were valuable, very valuable. Timeout to kick the field goal, and the game would have ended. And not once did Tom Brenneman step up to the little microphone at Fox and say, Hmm. Good thing they had those timeouts, the ones I was calling for them to burn at the 252 mark. Good thing they had those timeouts. I was wrong. Or even if he doesn't say I was wrong. He said, well, he could have said good thing they had the, they did it right. Fox was right. Three timeouts in his pocket. Worked or crooked down the field. Make a both. No, you don't hear that. That's what irritated me more than anything. Now, let's go to the tape. EO11, I know you've been busy there. Got some sound here to back up. Ah, Murph, I don't, you're making all this up. 2.50 to go in the game. It's tied 24-24. Clock's running. 
first reference. Here's the first reference to the time at the 2.50 mark by Tom Brenneman. Clock running under 2.50. All right, clock running under 2.50. What's the implication there? Draw your own conclusion. Detroit's back in their own territory at the 48. Second and 10. They snapped the ball, 26-yard pass. Remember that one? Tackled. Well, Cravain, yeah, LeBlanc falls down. The fall-down move. Yeah, that's always a good It's always a good way to stop the guy from catching a pass, fall down. Spielman says, uh, well, you know, it's always a good idea to stay on your feet when you're a cornerback. That'd be nice. Thank you. Hey, and Mongo says, if you're a football player, you should stay on your feet. Nobody makes a tackle from underground. So, tackled at the, the 2.36 mark, and... 36 seconds run off, all the way to the two-minute warning. Yep. I admit it. I was thinking to myself, I wonder if you call a timeout here, Bears, and then you save maybe 36 seconds for later. So it's clicking down. It's clicking down. The clock's clicking down from 236 at the tackle. And uh, Detroit now down in uh, enemy territory around the 26-yard line. At the 209 mark, here's cut two. Here's what Tom Brenneman now has to say. Well, they're going to have to start thinking about using timeouts here. They're going to let a lot of time burn between that completion because Stafford's not going to snap this ball before the two-minute warning. These are the things you got to start thinking about, obviously, when you're standing now on that Bears sideline. All right, stop the tape. There's Tom. He says, I got a chance now to jump on Foxy while he's down. My bosses will be happy. Everyone will be happy. There are things you got to be thinking about. Obviously, when you're standing on the sidelines. Uh, let, give me that one again, Eo. I know we don't usually play things back. Well, the Bears are going to have to start thinking about using timeouts here. They're going to let a lot of time burn between that completion because Stafford's not going to snap this ball before the two-minute warning. These are the things you got to start thinking about, obviously, when you're standing now on that Bears sideline. All right. Fair enough. That's your opinion. That's fine. You're being paid to have an opinion. He should have said. He probably should have said, uh, should have questioned it because it is his opinion. Uh, you know, Tom Brennan, Last I checked, has never been an NFL coach. Maybe he plays Madden or something, but he's never been an NFL coach. I've never been in a locker room. And all these things are being thought about by the coaches. They don't forget. Though we got three timeouts, we're supposed to call these. What are we doing? They don't forget these things. They're thinking about all of them. These are the things you got to start thinking about yeah. when you're on the sidelines. They chose not to use one at that time. They probably handed him the card, Rip Fox. Oh, that's what the producer wants. All right, now the Lions. They're no, they're not much smarter either, are they, Fred? There's a two-minute warning. The Lions have the ball down at the twenty-six. All right. They're easily in field goal range of, what's his name, Prater or whatever his Matt name Matt Prater. All right. Yep. They're easily in field goal range. Now, I don't do math very well, but you got the ball first and 10 at the 26. If you run the ball once, the play clock is, uh, what, 40 seconds? You have 40 seconds before you snap it. Uh-huh. Okay. So it's first down. If you run the ball, 40 seconds. Run the ball, 40 seconds. Run the ball, 40 seconds. 40 times 3. 120 seconds. What do you know? That's two minutes. It's a two-minute warning. If the Lions had just run the ball three times, and then they'd have the field goal at the, at the fourth down at the gun, right at the buzzer? Yep. Yeah. First play, they run it. And then there's a flag. There's a holding call. Stops the clock. At uh, 155. They burned up only five seconds. Mm-hmm. Well, on the first play, two-minute warning, it doesn't start to snap it. I understand right. that. 
Now, they get backed up 10 yards around the 36. It's still a field goal range for their guy. One of the best, if not the best, field goal guys in the NFL. He'd only missed three field goals all year from 59, yeah. 56, and 55. Bingo. So... But what does the uh, coach, I don't even know his name, the coach of the Lions, what does he do? Caldwell. He panics and says, I better start passing the ball. What an idiot. It's first and 20, so now the whole thing of being able to run the clock 40, run the clock 40, run the clock 40, you're down to one, five seconds, stop the clock, field goal, and you win. No. He says, I'm back 10 yards. I'm at the three. I better start passing the ball. He passes the ball incomplete. The clock stops, Fred. The play took three seconds. There now you it's, go. Now it's 152. Things are looking better for the Bears. Right. Now, the, uh, the quarterback scrambles on second and 20, trying to pass. He runs, he runs out of bounds. Yep, that's a mistake. We know that from a long time ago for the Bears. And we also, from Marion Barber, ran out of bounds. And this year, Jordan Howard ran out of bounds when he wasn't supposed oh, to. Oh, Barry and Barber, I'll never forget. So they snap second and 20 with a minute 52. The quarterback gets snagged out of the pocket, runs out of bounds. It's only a minute 44. It took eight seconds instead of sliding, like you're saying, and letting the clock keep running. And initially, it was it was the wrong play call because it was a pass. Right. He couldn't get anybody open, so he had to scramble, That's which the, was ridiculous. He picked up two. Now with a minute 44, it's third and 18. So they've run two plays, and they've run yeah. a total of 11 seconds. He throws an incomplete pass. It took eight seconds. Now they're down to about a minute uh, or four seconds. They're down to minute 40. Yeah. So three plays they ran, first, yeah. second, and third down, and they used a total of 15 uh, seconds. Yeah. 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 Like Was there minute. any comment on that by the announcers? No. About how the uh, Lions no. have didn't, did, you know, are not using the clock to their benefit? Well, of course not, because Tom Brenneman hates Chicago. Oh, you can't say that. I can say that because I'm right. All right, now it's fourth and 18, and they kicked the field goal. So there's a minute 35 uh, left on the clock. Yep. All right. So the Lions coaches totally screwed that up. The quarterback screwed it up, and they panicked. All right, now they kick off to the Bears. The ball at the minute 35. Now the Lions are up by three. And uh, Cohen, he takes the ball about six yards deep. This is your pet peeve, which we can cover later. Yep. And he runs it out. I got it to about the 17. Is that about That's right? it? Play. Now it's a minute 31. So he's eight yards shy of where he could have been yeah. and four seconds late. Right. He burned four seconds off the clock. So it's a minute 31. The yep. Bears are down by three. But guess what? They got all three timeouts, Tom. Yep. All right. Incomplete pass. A three-yard pass. Now, it's uh, going to be third and five with a minute at 20. And let's hear what Tom uh, Brenneman has to say. As the Bears, again, uh, they don't call a, a timeout. Cut three, go. Trying to get into field goal position at the minimum for Barth. And there's a catch up to the 22-yard line. It'll bring up third down. And the Bears have three timeouts. They're not going to take one here. Nope. Boy, and they are burning some serious time. Oh, yeah, they're burning time. They're burning time. Again, when the Bears get down in field goal range, though they miss it, you'll never hear anything from Tom. Like, good thing they had those three timeouts. All right. Now, it's third and five. Sideline pass. McBride, he gets out of bounds. Yep. He gets out clock. of bounds to stop the clock. A pickup of nine for first down. Nice. They didn't have to use a timeout. But Tom Brenneman is so fixated on his timeouts because he knows his whole thing is going to heck in a handbasket. 
Listen to how he covers this. He thinks they're burning time. He doesn't even see the referee going, stop the clock, stop the clock with the hands over the head instead of reeling, like keep the clock going. So let's listen to that pass. EO11, Trubisky throws, and McBride, first down, runs out of bounds, but Tom doesn't see it. Trubisky throws, and a catch, and the clock will continue to run. Reception made by Trey McBride, his first catch today, and now a timeout for the Bears. That'll be their first. Two more to go. They did not call timeout. When the clock stops, apparently they said it went out of bounds. So he was so into talking about the timeouts, he missed the fact the guy went out of bounds. Yep. Now, maybe they're sitting in the last row, and I understand it's not easy to always. But the referee's doing this, Fred, with the hands. Well, there's a reason you have a spotter, too. The Murph, spotter the ref would be things. doing the same thing for a timeout, though. That just means stop the clock. That means keep the clock running. Right. Your, your, your motions you're doing would be the same if you went out of bounds right. or if they called timeout. So that that doesn't work, like him. But they didn't his, call it. Brenneman says they do not call it. Time. Oh, but well, he, he missed. Yeah, he was wrong with that. It was out of bounds. But I'm telling you, the hand motions by the referee right. in that situation is the same. All right, right for stopping the clock because and out of bounds. The, the clock stops. So he was basically what he's doing is he's making no motions to the clock, All the right. timekeeper, fine to make sure he stops the clock. But in Tom's head, he was he was fixated on they haven't called a time. I guarantee you. Even though the signs are the same. Well, he said it. Yeah, he said it, yeah. All right. Now there's a uh, first and 10. They're still at their own 31. There's an incomplete pass. Stops the clock. Then there's a uh, pass. Now, uh, throws a pass, goes 10 yards, and they uh, run out of bounds. My guy, Daniel Brown. Yeah, your guy, Daniel Brown. Uh Now, here's where it gets interesting. They still got three timeouts. They're uh, down now. uh, They're at their own 41. and And the clock had stopped from running out of bounds. Now, all of a sudden, here comes Chris Spielman, the as an analyst, the sidekick. And he is going to go the opposite way. He's going to point out, oh, wait a minute, there's plenty of time. You got your three timeouts. That means you got the whole middle of the field. You can throw in the middle. You don't have to worry about stop. You got timeouts. So let's listen. Now, I don't know if Chris Spielman's been holding this back since the 252 mark because of Tom or if it's just his time now to chime in. He never had time to talk before. But he's basically now going to refute everything and basically say, well, you know what? They got all the timeouts, and now they got the whole field. Let's listen to the sidekick. You have plenty of time. You have your timeouts. The hmm. middle of the field still open. The whole offensive playbook, as far as passing the ball goes, is still in play. Okay. Yep. All right. Basically, he's saying, hey, everything's working out perfect for them. Mm-hmm. So the Bears now at, the, at their own 41, an incomplete pass takes up no time. Uh, intentional throwaway pass, no flag, though, you know, uh, uh, clock stops. They still got now 34 seconds. It's third and 10. Now, here comes the sack. And this is going to be where the Bears uh, finally do call their first timeout with 34 seconds remaining uh, back at their own uh, 38. And this will be a timeout now for Chicago. First. First one. Yep. He didn't say here's the first timeout. Now, that's nitpicking. Uh Maybe he just didn't have time. But maybe he didn't feel like saying. He didn't say it was the first timeout. He could have said that. Yep. Implying that, well, you know what? They still got two left and 28 seconds. Now, let's hear that again. I it just couldn't be me reading into it, but I know this guy. And this will be a timeout now for Chicago. 
And this will be timeout number one for Chicago. Could have said that. But well, that's, didn't. that's what the official scoring says. This is timeout number one by Chicago with 28 seconds. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yep. I'm just saying, you know, uh, he didn't say it. Uh, now it's going to be uh, fourth and 13. And this is the play coming up now, the big play where we get the uh, scramble by Trubisky. Now, what if you're out of timeouts, Fred? If there's none left and Trubisky with 38 seconds runs that uh, uh, scramble? Yeah, then you got to run to the line of scrimmage and down the ball. Yeah, and that takes time. Yep, All right. get everybody back in, li- in line. Okay, so uh, they got two timeouts in their hip pocket. Fourth and 13, here's the exciting play, and uh, let's see if he says uh, that's going to be timeout number two when it ends. And right now, not looking good. Trubisky's going to run it, and he is going to get a first down! How about Trubisky to the 42-yard line? Oh, my goodness! 15 seconds remaining, and the Bears have one timeout left. All right. Now, as opposed to saying that's their second timeout, they have one timeout left. Right. He's still portraying. You know, they're running out of timeouts. See, there's only one left. Sounds different than that's timeout number two. That's just me. I see Eric over there thinks I'm Eric, open up the microphone. Quit smirking over there. What do you think? I know the guy. I know the guy. Do you know him personally? Do you know him personally Absolutely. or have you met him? Like, And you know that he, he that he's a cards guy, so you're kind of agenda guy. rising. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I said Reds guy. I feel like I absolutely know this is more how much you don't him. like him, him than more. I think this is more how much you don't like him than he doesn't like Fox and the Bears. That's All what right. I think. All right. All right. You've been in the business a while, but evidently not long enough. No, I'm just kidding. You. EO11. All highlights courtesy of uh, Fox, as you mentioned. And Tom Brenneman. And Tom Brenneman. Yeah. All right. So, let's wrap this up now. Trubisky now, with one remaining, throws that 14-yard pass in the middle of the field right. to Inman, which he probably would have never dreamed of if they were out of timeouts to throw the ball in the middle of the field. 15 seconds remaining, and the Bears have one timeout left. They need roughly about another five yards to get into Connor Barr's career long range, but they like to do a lot better than that. Trubisky guns it over the middle and that is Inman to the 29-yard line, and they're well within field goal range now. That's a big league throw right there. That's a pressure throw. That's a Matthew Stafford throw. Inman's going to come down and sit here. Now, he missed Wheaton on the similar type of throw. Stop the tape. I know we're going to have to restart it. After the catch, obviously the Bears call timeout. Right. To stop the clock and line up for the makeable field goal, right? Right. He never said it. Tom Brenneman never said, they call a timeout now. They're going to line up for the makeable field goal. Again, maybe got caught up in the excitement. But here's the guy that at the 252 mark was all over them for not burning timeouts or burning time, time, time. Now, you'd think he could have said, there's a third timeout. Lucky they had that. Well, he could have said they used their final timeout. Yeah. Yeah, well, he right. could have said that. Right. But he didn't, and then they line up and they kick the field goal, and never once do they ever say, that was some good clock management that they had the three timeouts remaining. Let's hear that one from the top, EO. Fifteen seconds remaining, and the Bears have one timeout left. They need roughly about another five yards to get into Connor Barr's career long range, but they like to do a lot better than that. Trubisky 
Duns it over the middle, and that is Inman to the 29-yard line. Timeout. Well within field goal range. Timeout. That's a big league throw right there. Timeout. That's a pressure throw. That's it's a called timeout. Throw. Inman's going to come down and sit here. Now, he missed Wheaton on the similar type of throw the previous uh, couple of previous plays ago. Something has right got a timeout. Inman finds that hole, and I love the fact that he worked back to the football, cutting off the angle with the defensive back. Look at that. That's a fastball. Right on target, under pressure. Well, you asked about Mitchell Trubisky before the drive ever began. His 23-year-old out of Metro, Ohio. Timeout number three. He only nope. started one year in North nope. Carolina. Nope. He was a nope. three-year player there. He only started one year. And he takes his team down the field and puts them in a spot to have a chance to tie this game up. Three timeouts. So be a 46-yard field goal try by Connor Bart. Snap, hold, not even close. Wow. Holy Moses. Wow. But a nice job. But a nice job by John Fox, at least getting him down into makeable fit. Nah, no chance. We got the president of the Tom Brenneman fan club, EO11. Good job on the cuts, Eric. <laughs> Seriously, nice job. A lot of work. Good job. Murph and Fred, all right, a little behind the scenes there. Maybe too much, if so I apologize. Sometimes you watch the game and you just go, I'm going to have another beer. And sometimes you go, you know what? The guy been harping and harping and bearing everybody. And then it turned out he was wrong. So here's what he's going to say. No, I guess he's not. Murph and Fred back in a flash. Hey, we didn't even do EO11. We didn't even do our Murph and Fred fan focus group Twitter poll. Vote right now. If the Bears had gone to overtime Sunday A... The Bears might have beat the Lions in overtime. Or B, the Bears had no chance. Vote now at ESPN 1000. No shot. Ah, beautiful Saturday. I'm glad you're spending some time with us. Mike Murphy and Fred Hubner. Going to have some baseball talk, top of the hour. Mark Gonzalez, baseball guy at the Tribune, said he'd give us a call one hour later at 11 o'clock. Sam Smith. Oh, man. Love visiting with Sam Fred. I know you do, too. And uh, he's always got thoughts, opinions, not just basketball, but uh, we'll tie him in in a new book he has coming out. So. Yeah, the, uh, and the fun thing about Gonzalez is the, uh, yeah. the winter meetings start December 10th. In Orlando, apparently, uh, hopefully, both the Bears and the Cubs laid the groundwork uh, at the GM meetings for some action to be made. Both teams meet, need some pitching. Mm-hmm. Sox uh, maybe one, the Cubs a couple, and then maybe uh-huh. a re- reliever or two. So, you know, there's a lot to talk about, and uh, over the next two weeks, it be very interesting to see. And then where Giancarlo Stanton ends up and where Otani ends up. and There's a lot, lot of baseball going on. Have you sneaked a peek at our 10 a.m. Uh, no, nope, I have not. All right. Let's get the results from 9 o'clock. Uh, if you haven't voted yet, well, too late. You can vote for the 9.30, which we'll set you up with. But let's bring in executive producer Eric Ostrowski. Uh, EO 11, uh, 9 o'clock. Twitter poll. If uh, the Bears game Sunday had gone overtime, A, the Bears might have beat the Lions in overtime. B, the Bears had no chance. Hey, Eric, we're going to do a new segment. Chance or no chance? 
Sounds familiar. Oh, okay. I can't figure out why that sounds so familiar. Yeah, we don't want any copy. Like, I would present ideas to you guys, and you'd say chance <laughs> or no. Okay, yeah. all right. Uh-huh. We don't want a uh, copyright infringement uh, <laughs> lawyer knocking on our door. I know that, so we will ixnay. All right, uh, Fred, uh, how do you think the wonderful, beloved uh, Bears fans uh, have voted? The Bears might have uh, beat the Lions had it gone to overtime, or B, no chance. 75% saying they would have won. Might have won. That's well, how I worded it. Yeah, then they might have won. See, well, they this should won, be, or they might have lost. Well, see, yeah. this should be a hundred percent. Eo Eleven, do you agree the way this was? Uh, By your wording, technically, it should be a hundred percent. Craftily yes, worded at midnight right. last night. Because of course they might have won, and it's overtime. Right. So the only two possibilities. Uh, I gave you where I had it gone overtime. A, the Bears might have beat the Lions, or B, not. I had no chance. So I will say it's uh, about forty percent no chance, sixty percent enthusiastic Bears fan. I'm going to go, Fred. What do you think? I got about sixty, forty. Uh, Might have beat the line. No, still seventy-five. Okay, should yep. be well. It should be a hundred. Right in between you guys, 65% of the people yeah. said that they might have beat the Lions. And we won't now bring up the fact that they should have had a different field goal kicker before the game began. Well, you know what? They did have enough time. It would have been nice to see them maybe throw some sideline passes and actually try and score a touchdown instead of just waiting for a field goal. But that's just me. And the first drive, first time, was it the, let's see, was it the first drive they were down and they settled... Let me see. I'm sorry. Yeah, first drive. They they were they were They're down first and first, goal at the first, five. First goal is the eight. Eight. Yeah, yeah. And they didn't they right. had to kick a field goal. That's yeah. uh, you know, that's that's not good. Uh but you know, a lot of people will tell you it's tougher to score from inside the ten than it is from outside the yeah. twenty because you have more room more room, more, more space. Compressed. Right, it kinda cuts it down. And now if you played in the CFL, you'd have thirty yards in the end zone. Speaking of uh that, and you bring up an interesting point. This was on the yellow pad for way later if we got to uh-huh. it in the stack. Do you think it would be, with all the injuries, it's, I mean, this is just big picture crazy. Do you think that the day would never uh, be proposed where you make the field bigger so there's less maybe chance of as many violent collisions? I don't know if that would affect. I just, I'm just throwing yeah. that out. The bigger the field. I don't at think ho- it would work. Well, look at hockey. Yeah. Now, EO11, I don't know if uh, you probably were... This is before your time, of course, but you know you know history. The rinks in the National Hockey League used to be much, much smaller. Like at the old stadium, the old barn across the street, that was one of the rink sizes from you know the 1930s when hockey really sort of began uh, mainstream with the original six. And they're much bigger now. I don't know if that was thinking to avoid it. I don't know why. But international hockey is even larger than right. the NHL is now, too. Yeah. yeah, yeah, the international hockey is. So, so do you think the day, I mean, the NFL's got long-term problems many directions, obviously. But a big one is injuries, collisions, concussions, etc. Do you think that they would ever, at least someone's going to someday at least mention, maybe if the field was bigger, there'd be less compression? Like you're talking about, for the 10-yard line in, the 20-yard line in, it's tougher to score because it's more compressed. There's 22 bodies in a smaller constrained, uh, you know, constricted yeah. area. I don't know. I, mean, I don't think so for a couple of reasons. Yeah. One of the reasons is some of those stadiums wouldn't fit. Well, no, no yes, I, I, knew, I do know that. So every... every I, the first thing I thought, and then I rejected it and hoped you wouldn't bring... No, no, because no, every stadium... Right. right, every stadium has only a certain amount of space no, right, right. Unless, you put the, uh, unless you put the team in the first row, you know. 
if you wanted to widen this, the uh, facilities. Yeah, but, but they sell those seats for the most money. The thing is, they still <laughs> they still hit. I mean, they still hit. And, uh, and the it wouldn't action, be a little less hitting if you had a bigger I don't think field. so. All right. Maybe you're yeah. right. I don't, maybe I'm, I just don't think there would be any less hitting because they still have to get the guy with the ball. Right. They still have to tackle the guy with the ball. So. Hey, Eric, did you ever hear this one when the Bears used to play at Wrigley Field? By the way. The greatest sporting event in my life in person were those. You're like right there, you know, and right tucked in down. They didn't have enough room, sort of a la when they were playing some college games recently, right. and they had to play like a half 50 yard yeah, game. Yeah, Northwestern Illini, I believe, is right. what it was. Because like OSHA got involved, and there wasn't enough room after the end zone to right. not run Brick into the right, right field, uh-huh. the wall, you know? So they played for from like 19, from the 20s until 1970 at Wrigley Field. And the field ran, Fred knows this, from the first base dugout towards like the left field wall. Okay, mm-hmm. that way. And the left field end zone was about maybe three feet from the left field brick wall. They put they had pads hanging. Yeah. You know, hanging on like looped all over. But here's the best part. The south end zone near the first base dugout. By the first base dugout was only seven and a half yards in the one corner. And then it sort of zigzagged, like, like in and out, like uh, you know, hopscotchy, boom, 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 back and forth, until at the by the home plate end, it was ten yards. You would run right into the dugout, which they were nice enough to put some plywood. They went over to Heinz Lumber, bought some plywood, so you wouldn't actually fall into the dugout. You just crash into it. The end line was seven yards back, and then it sort of zigzagged over. Yeah, no, it's crazy uh, that they would that they play that long with that. Here, some of some of the things <laughs> no about choice. some of the things about the hockey rinks you were talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. The Chicago Stadium was one eighty-eight by eighty-five. It was, had the smallest neutral zone in the league. So a lot of times oh. where the guys are trying to send that two-line pass, which they used to have, yeah. it would be tougher at the stadium because they had a smaller area by two feet. Whereas opposed to Maple Leaf Gardens, they were two hundred by eighty-five. So you had an extra twelve feet. In the rink, okay? De- uh, the Detroit Olympia, also an extra 12 feet. But the stadium at 188 was one of the smallest ones. 188 times 85. During the break, Eric, give me the square footage there. Multiply that out. And then we can look up what the United Center is and get the square footage of uh, the United Center. You mentioned the uh, Olympia in Detroit. Yeah. Uh, did you know this? Here's a good one. Eric, back in the day, the guy that owned the Blackhawks... Also on the Detroit Red Wings. Yeah, that's tough to do. Half, Mr. Uh, the original Wurtz, three ago Wurtz, and he had a partner named Norris, N-O-R-R-I-S. He was part owner of the Red Wings and the Blackhawks. No conflict there when they're making a trade, huh? <laughs> it's got a trophy named after him now, though. That's right, the Norris, go, the Norris Trophy. That's right. Uh-huh. And they built those arenas for boxing and for, like, uh, three-day bicycle races and roller derby and stuff like that. Hockey sort of was an, an afterthought because boxing was the big money maker. Right. So they built those Olympia-type uh, United uh, Center, uh, Chicago Stadiums, rather, in uh, Detroit and Chicago. And Boston had the old garden. They all like the same size, but mostly for boxing. And then, hey, maybe this hockey thing will catch on. Vote right now on 930. Twitter poll is... The Bulls lost last night by 49 points. A, B, C, or D, A. The Bears will lose to the Eagles by more than 49. The Bears will lose to the Eagles by less than 49. The Bears will lose exactly by 49. 
or D, the Bears will win Sunday. Vote now, vote early, vote often at ESPN 1000. How you doing, Murph and Fred? I'm a Cub fan from Lions Township High School at Grange. Fred Huber, the White Sox fan from good old Proviso East in Martinique. Mar- Mar- you always say Proviso. Why do I say that? I don't know. We had a mini reunion last night at Michael Martin. Anthony's out in Berwyn. Saw a bunch of guys I went to high school with, uh, Dan my, Sapienza. And, my dad uh, went to Martin. Quinn Sharnick and uh, yeah. Joe Delzanero and uh, all these other guys. Uh, uh, guy, guys who were graduated yeah. a couple years after us. Cool. And, uh, yeah, so it was, it was very, very cool. Yeah, here's one of them. Uh... I grew up in Cicero. There's not too much I believe in unless I see it. Yeah, we were, we were reminiscing about playing slow pitch uh, baseball um, nice. at Goodwin School. And then uh, you, can't, you can't even imagine it now because they stuck fences in there so the teachers can park. No. Yes, it's wasted. No, kids can't go on out and play and hit the ball and break a third-story window like we used to do. All right, I got some crazy stats. We're a few minutes away from some baseball talk. Mark Gonzalez, hour or so away from Sam Smith. Give me a little stat music there, EO11. EO11. All right, crazy stat number one. Last night's Bulls debacle box score, okay? Uh-huh. And the train coming in, perusing on my phone, because you can't get the box score in the paper because the game didn't end until midnight or whatever. So, Eric, Fred, tell me if this is uh, a little little crazy, a little odd. So I'm looking at the uh, field goal percentage shooting for the uh, Bulls last night. 35% from the uh, field. Yep. That's not too hot. No, it's not very good. Three-point field goal percentage. One percentage point higher, thirty-six percent. Is that often occur, fellas? That the uh, three-point shooting percentage would be higher than the uh, field goal percentage overall? It shouldn't. No, it shouldn't. No, it shouldn't. Eric, does that happen often, or am I just? Uh... No, absolutely not. No, <laughs> this this team is an anomaly. Yes. You want to spell that later for us? Uh... You know, one of the weirdest things is that Denzel Valentine opened the game with ten points. Yes, he had ten points in the first quarter. Mm-hmm. Three quarters later, he had 10 points. He played 10 minutes in the first quarter. He only played 10 minutes the rest of the game. So either he ticked someone off or he didn't pick somebody up or because he only played 10 minutes in the final three quarters of the game. Now, granted, pretty much after uh, halftime, the game was over. See, but... I, think, I think Freddie's starting to uh, feel a little bit of the uh, squeeze. And no longer is he going to let these guys keep playing. I bet he sat him down like you were into. Yeah, well, here's here's one of the problems, too. They mm-hmm. want Chris Dunn to be out there as a starter. Now he's taking over the starter role. Uh. And uh, Chris Dunn was two for 11. Yeah. Now, if you're Fred Hoiberg and you're, quote, trying to win games, which all head coaches try to do, because if you don't win, you're going to be launched. Um it's tough to keep running out a guard out there who can't shoot. The other problem, to, to dovetail that, Fred, hold that thought, uh, Grant, who, in my opinion does nothing but throw the ball away and make bad decisions. He went 8 for 10 from the field with 21 points. So, what, now is he going to start starting now, again? You know, but you know what? Almost all of that was garbage time. It was, yes. I looked, and most uh-huh. of it in the fourth quarter, he had 13 points. 
So at one point in this game, the Bulls, the Bulls were down 49 points. They never hit 50. No. They were down 49 points. Um, they lost by 49, 143 yeah, that was the to 94. Spread. Kevin Durant and Green didn't even play. Yeah, that was the biggest spread of the, uh, of the night, 49 mm-hmm. points. Mm-hmm. They were outscored in the second and third quarters, 81 to 34. It was the Warriors franchise biggest win over the Bulls. The previous was 35 points, not 49 back in 1973. So let's go to crazy stat number two. 73. I bet the Van Leer was playing on that team. I bet you he wouldn't be too happy. Storm. Yeah. I bet he put his foot up somebody's butt. Dan, lovely Dan and I spent uh, many times at the old pizza place over there on uh, uh, State Street. Paisano's. Paisano's. Yeah. Norm was always there. Norm was there. Uh-huh. Oh, Mark. Mark and Dan, come over here. Yep. He, he was great. He loved me because I put together the idea of the uh, ill-fated, uh, uh, both passed away now, the uh, Bull and the Bear morning radio show for many years yeah. at another station, uh, Van Leer and Doug Buffon. It was a it was the wackiest morning show you could ever hear. Hey, what's going on, Doug? From North, 71 through 78, Van Leer was with the Bulls. Storm would come in. Storm would come in at 5.30 for the show right off Rush Street. And Doug had been there, slept nice, all cleaned up, got there about 3 in the morning making all his notes. Storm would come in and show that, hey, Dougie, what are we talking about? That was on the air, he'd say that. Almost nobody did more prep than Doug no, phone. No, Unbelievable. All right, uh, crazy stat number two. The Eagles... Those would be the guys the Bears are facing tomorrow. The Eagles have scored fewer than 26 points, Fred, only once this year. Uh-huh. The Bears have scored more than 26 points only once this year. Yeah, they're pretty. Ouch. Yeah, they're, it's, uh, it's going to be a tough one. All the numbers show that it could be a 13.5-point spread. Mm-hmm. Which brings us in. Let's get our results. I have more crazy stats later. Bas- the Eagles are so good, they might find a way to score a half a point. The Bulls lost. Exactly. The Bulls lost last night by 49 points. A, B, C, or D. Too late to vote now. Let's bring in EO11. The Bears will lose by more than 49. The Bears will lose by less than 49. Less than 49, but fewer than 49 points. Have you noticed less and fewer? No one knows it anymore. Yeah, it's too confusing for me. I just just say less. That's okay. Nobody else knows it. That's okay. I don't want to be the only one. Fewer people know it. I'm just going to say it wrong so I sound right. Uh, B, the Bulls will lose by uh, uh, less than 49, fewer than 49 points. The uh, Bulls will lose exactly by 49 points. Or D, the Bears will win Sunday. I don't even want to guess. Just give us the winner there, EO. All right. The, well, first, before I want to give the winner, I want to give a shout out to the 6% who said that the Bulls will lose by exactly 49. Good for <laughs> you for predicting that. I like that. That's seven touchdowns. <laughs> he who gambles lives in shambles. Uh-huh. Um, 61% think the, Bill, uh, the Bears will lose by less than 49. All right. Or fewer than 49 points, but less than 49. I like that. Eric, uh, what was uh, lose by more than 49? 18%. What was win? 15%. Oh, really? Bears. There we go. I, last last week on the Sunday show with uh, Steve McMichael, the first thing I said, the first thing out of my mouth at 9.01 was the Bears are going to beat the Detroit Lions. Yeah. They screwed up. They should have. They should have easily beat them. Absolutely Listen, right. Listen, two weeks in a row, the Bears lose to the Packers and Lions, and the following week, both of those teams lost at home. 
The Packers lost 23-0, and the Lions lose on Thanksgiving Day and look brutal doing it. I'm afraid the Bears are going to lose by more than 49, and you know what really worries me the most? And all day Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, throughout the entire town, i got to hear the word again. A 50-burger! I can't take yeah, that. Yeah, I hope that doesn't Hold happen. Hold it to 49. Yeah. We got baseball next. Stick around. Mark Gonzalez said he'd give us a call. From the Tribune, Murph and Fred back in a flash at ESPN 1000. Bum, bum. One, two, three, cuatro. Hope you're having a great Saturday. Welcome back, everybody. Mike Murphy, Fred Hubner. One minute away from baseball talk. Mark Gonzalez in the Tribune. Get the hot stove. We don't need the hot stove today. It's a nice, beautiful day. Yes, it is. Huh? Gorgeous. All right, vote right now. Here's our 10 o'clock Murph and Fred fan focus group Twitter poll. Oh, I like this one, Fred. Vote now. Who will make the bigger trade this winter, the Cubs or the Sox? Now, hold it. Not signing. Trade, you said, trade. right? Trade. Okay. Now, don't just rush and vote. To take your time. Think it through. Hurry up. Hurry up now. Yeah, you, got you only got until 10.30. That's right. <laughs> Vote now at ESPN 1000. Who will make the bigger trade this winter to Cubs or the Sox? Wait, I'm going to change my mind. Wait, oh no, hold on. Etch a sketch upside down. Shake it. There it is. Let's go to the celebrity line. Let's go to the Chicago Tribune. Let's bring in baseball expert, Cubs guy, all around good guy. Mark Gonzalez is now on the air with Murph and Fred. I wonder if Mark's voted yet, Fred. Do you think Mark's voted yet? In his head, I think he has. Good morning, Marcus. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you guys? Great. Doing great, Mark. Thanks for calling in, Mark. How do you think the fans are going to vote for our Twitter poll this half hour? Who will make the bigger trade this winter? Not necessarily asking you to vote. How do you think the fans are going to vote? The Cubs or the Sox will make the bigger trade this offseason. What do you think they'll say, Marcus? The Cubs. I think there's just too much at stake for them, given where they're at and where they want to go in the future. Uh, We all know about the pitching issues. With the White Sox, they've done a lot of heavy lifting. I know there's two big-ticket guys that have been mentioned as far as possible uh, trade possibilities, you know, Abreu and and uh, Garcia, but I think in the end, um, it's the Cubs um, that will pull off the bigger trade. Well, the logic is impeccable. I can't say that uh, I see any holes in your logic, but I voted for the White Sox. <laughs> and here's, here's why, Fred. That's what happens. Murph has a martini or two, and he puts these together on Friday night. <laughs> well, Mark, you know what they say, one martini is never enough, and two is one too many. <laughs> That's why I always order one and a half. So, uh, <laughs> so, Mark, let me ask you about the Cubs to trade. To me, they really don't have anything to trade, but they got a lot of money, or they're maybe squirreling the money away for next year. Uh, their farm system, I can't see them trading either of the two young hotshot pitchers who they put on the 40-man. They need pitching. They, I don't see them trading any of the uh, position guys. I I agree with you that the Cubs would certainly appear to be the team that's got to make some a big trade or two. But okay, who are they going to trade? I'm not even asking you to what team or for whom. No one's replaceable that they that they might want to trade. I I just think they're in a pickle. Get me out of that pickle, would you? Help me out of my pickle. Nobody nobody to trade? I mean, I... That's, I not re- that's not replaceable. They don't have anyone to replace the guy they're going to maybe trade. 
in my well, opinion. Well, I think they're they're a pretty flexible team now. Now the blow might be tough at that spot. I mean, if you want to go with the uh, high high ceiling guys, the guys like Javi and Russell, yeah, that's mm-hmm. that's going to be a tough one. But mm-hmm. um, you got to think of the return too and, and how it affects the landscape if you move one and then move the other around or. Even even the guys like Schwarber and Happ and even Al Mora, nobody's mentioned him. He's he's really improved quite a bit over the last year, and he might entice you know a few teams out there because you know what you're getting with him. So I think mean, we're at that point, and, and Theo's mentioned it in the past. This is no secret where they might have to move somebody off that that big league roster to get what they want or what they need. And then it's just the reality, you know, they had this surplus for so many years of young guys in the system that they could move without hurting their future, or at least, uh, you know, mm. assessing a blow. But now we're at that point where, you know, the pitching's so dry that they're going to have to do that. And I think they knew all along after the last two midseason trades when they traded Glaber Torres and Jimenez and then, then uh, Cease, yeah. that this, we're at that time now. So let's distill this down. Uh, so if you trade Russell or Baez, you'd have to replace them with, what, Hap at second, and the guy you didn't trade stays at short, and some Zobrist at second and Hap at second? Is that, if the, the middle infielder guy was one of your, was the trade, in other words, if you trade Baez or you trade Russell, then you got second base platooning, if that's the right word, Hap and Zobrist? Yeah, yeah, I I would think that's that's mm-hmm. the way they would attack that, mm. and then also keep in mind that Ben um, could play some left too, sure. and might play more left if you move move Schwarber. So there's a lot of moving parts here. You know, you mentioned Schwarber, and I was going to ask you about him because it seems like the love for Schwarber from Theo is over the top, and you know, for rightfully so because they 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 found him, they drafted him higher than most people thought he was going to get drafted. What he did in the World Series is seven for seventeen, and all that stuff. Uh, last year, despite the fact that he struggled, he hit thirty home runs, and I I don't think that his trade value really has suffered a lot because in the American League, as a DH, you know, thirty home runs in one hundred and twenty nine games. Now it's not a bad deal for your designated hitter. But do you think would that be the biggest, the one that you think would be the toughest for Theo to move out uh, is Schwarber because of his love for the young guy? I would say, you know, I would say up until midseason, it would have been tough. Uh-huh. And when when Theo and his staff started this mission, you know, of, of building a contender, that one thing they had in mind was to add left-handed hitters because all he had is Rizzo, and right. um, obviously there was a void there. And Schwarber was a guy that immediately addressed that. And now, you know, we saw him struggle mightily until the last the second half and now you see all these switch hitters that they've added so you know maybe i think that blow is is lessened because of the switch hitters if you decide to move them but you know i still think he's a guy that um they they would think about trading because um you know he he kind of you know (laughs) experienced a a mini renaissance in the second half but certainly wasn't wasn't overwhelming but it was encouraging so Having said all that, I, I think he would he would move him. So then, left field would be as you mentioned some uh, Zobrist, 
Uh, John Jay, I would guess they've got to try to... Well, if they can keep him, I know Oakland's really interested. Right. Or a similar type guy out there. That was a terrific pickup last year, you know, offseason, lost in the shuffle, and John Jay played a key role, even though, you know, you didn't hear much about him. It looks like, besides free agent pitching, to get back to what we were just talking about, Mark Gonzalez and Fred, they're going to have to, if they trade one of their starters or, or regular guys like we're talking they're going to have to sign a free agent position player of some substance uh, also or can you trade uh hap or schwarber or russell or bias fellas without signing a free agent and just try to replace these position guys internally they just don't have anything mark yeah i think you, you try to sort out the market and see who might uh, still be around in, in January, or even even the non-tenders. You know, we have a mm-hmm. big date coming up on Friday when they have to tender contracts to all their unsigned players or else let them go to free agency. And there's always that second wave of free agents that, uh, you know, a lot of teams uh, scour the list and see if there's a guy there that can help them. And so I believe they'll be doing that. But, yeah, getting back to your point, I, I think I think last year, even though Hap did very, very well for a rookie, they kind of missed that that seasoned mm. uh, veteran utility guy. Yeah, and, mm. and I think that's one thing they'll keep in mind uh, throughout the winter. Do you see any way that that well, Arietta? I, I doubt, but do you see any way that Wade Davis comes back to this team? I think there's there's a chance. I wouldn't say there's a strong chance, but. Um, you look at the teams that need closers, there's quite a few that are contenders, but not many. But at the same time, he is pretty comfortable here. Um, he's at that point now where and every free deserves that when they're like in their, around 30, that this is their one chance to make a lot of money. And he's, right. he's earned that. And I think that, you know, given, given where the Cubs are at and, and, you know, you need you have that comfort at the end. If you have that closer, he's a guy that they might be willing willing to uh, go as long as they can. You know, until closing the door on him, because um, we all see seen what's happened when you don't have that dependable closer. Everything falls apart, and it mm. creates a sense of you know of, of, of curiosity or even some consternation. In the eighth and ninth innings, we don't have that guy. Visiting with Mark Gonzalez, Chicago Tree, and want to remind all our listeners out there, guy like Mark and Jesse, these guys work every day hard for about 11 and a half months. They get a little two-week window, if there is a chance to even <laughs> call it that. There's always something they have to keep on, but it's personal time. Mark, nice enough to pick up the phone, and we appreciate it. But... I'm not springing you yet, Mark. Oh, thank goodness. Thank goodness I'm done. A couple more quickies because we really value your time. There's a free agent, uh, shorts, Zach Kozart from the Reds. Now, this is outside the box. I haven't heard this anywhere. No, it's, it doesn't make sense. That's why I haven't heard it anywhere. What if they went a little... Over, over that one and a half martinis. What if they... Yeah. <laughs> Officer, I only had two martinis. <laughs> T. Martunis? I don't know what I had. Mark, let me ask you. Zach Kozart intrigues me. He's got a lot of downside. But here's a guy that all of a sudden, you know, hits more home runs than ever before. Plays in a band box at Cincinnati. I understand all that. He's not a young pup. But what, what if you signed a guy that comes like Zach Kozart? You put him at short. Then I'd feel a lot better about maybe trading... Uh, the Baez or, or the Russell. Uh, there's been really no mention, and I'm not trying to start a rumor because it's not a rumor, but would that be something that you think is even in their crystal ball at all? No. No. And, and I say that I like the player a lot. I think mm-hmm. Kuzark's a professional. It's just 
terrific hitter, a dependable shortstop. You know what you're getting. You know, having said all that, you know, I talked to him uh, a year after he came back from the knee surgery, and you know the Reds were very careful about giving him days off. Mm-hmm. He had the same injury that that Schwarber did, wow. and, and he's playing he's playing shortstop and, and doing a really exceptional job there. But the, the you know he's having to get days off here and there, and you just wonder. Uh, how many games he can give you compared to a Russell who's who's still a puppy and, and mm. can play, you know, 150 plus games. So um, that's why I, I eliminated. Yeah. But Cozart's about yeah. as dependable as they come at short. See, yeah. I'm not trying to get rid of I'm not trying to get rid of anybody, but they're in this to me this pickle. I'm trying to you know help the guys work it out. Yeah. Uh, your colleague Sully wrote a, a very interesting piece the other day about the Cubs leadoff. A man of the future, and it was a great piece. Which basically, after I read it, told me they don't have a leadoff man uh, of the future. Sully ticked off all the, uh, you know, not ticked me off, but itemized one by one, checking the boxes. You know, John Jay return in a platoon role, a D Gordon type guys. He's got his PED history, but he's a hell of a leadoff hitter. The Miami's trying to unload uh, money. Wilson Contreras as an out of the box, uh, you know, leadoff guy. He has great numbers on base in the leadoff slot, but there's another unorthodox move, and it's sort of backfired uh, now. Uh, Jed Hoyer finally admitted uh, the other day to you fellas that, you know, sometimes you move a guy into a different slot, talking about Schwarber last April, you know, and it just doesn't work out for whatever reason. Are, are they going to mix and match? I mean, there is no leadoff hitter uh, on the board right now. What, what do you think they're kicking around, or what can they do? Well, I think for now that they're they're kicking around a lot of ideas. You know, the thing with leadoff hitters and and Joe Madden has said this, Greg Walker has said it, is that you don't you don't develop them; they're either born or you acquire them. And I think that's that's the tough part there mm-hmm. uh, when you're when you're building a team and looking for a a, a leadoff guy. Mm-hmm. And I think in this case, uh, certainly if, if there's a guy there, the problem is they're they're pretty well set at position wise. So where do you find that mm-hmm. guy, and how do you rearrange the furniture if you get that guy. So, you know, <laughs> having said all that, I think they'll still look for a leadoff hitter, but it has to be a perfect fit where mm. it not only helps them at the top of the order, but also in the field. Well, they're not easy to find or to get. No, that's, mm. that's, that's the tough part. Yeah, yeah. pickle number two. <laughs> uh, let's see, final thoughts, uh, Mark Gonzalez. Appreciate it so much. Uh, if I hear one more person, Mark, not that you've ever said it, or Fred, or me. EO11, did I you probably ever, said did it. You I don't even know what it, it is. If I hear one more person say, yeah, but he's a terrific defensive right fielder, <laughs> I'm going to scream. You know what? A lot of guys in the minors are terrific defensive right fielders that can't hit. What are they going to do? Uh, what are they going to do with the right fielder? Anything? Well, I, I think that he's, you know... He's a guy that has to prove himself at the plate. I mean, we said that last year, and he made some adjustments. It resulted, in, I think, in what a 29-point spike in his batting average, but the power still wasn't there, and he's only 259 or 257. Mm-hmm. Um, I could see his, I could see his playing time being cut next year if he doesn't respond, and I can also see him playing more center field if, if there's a trade in the works where it would necessitate him moving to center. So there's a lot in play for him. Um, I think he's probably probably ratcheting up right now, trying to figure out a way to improve his hitting. But uh, he's got to produce, or else I don't think he's going to play as much as he did the last two years. Is he movable? No, 
Mm. Okay, that's a good answer. That was it, short and succinct. Yeah. I don't know why I'm laughing. Uh, <laughs> no, I don't either. So uh, 12 months from now, our uh, Cub fans are going to be talking about Harper, the right fielder. They're ready to sign him to that uh, big 10-year deal. Uh, is that uh, going to percolate a year from now, do you think, Mark? Uh, Harper in right or center or wherever, left? Uh, I, you know, unless they expand the uh, the uh, penalty tax, uh, you know, the, the, uh, I, I can't see it, but stranger things have happened. Hmm. You know, I was in a good mood till uh, you phoned. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> now we got four pickles, and before you called, I only had two pickles. I love it. Hey, Mark, we really appreciate it. As we pointed out, this is one of your few little lulls in a 52-week work week. Fans. Damn baseball. They thought, Mark, you thought years ago baseball was just going to be over. You have three months to relax. That doesn't happen, does it? No, it doesn't, but that's, that's the life we choose. Uh, yep. You used to have the three months in, uh, in uh, Palma Springs, uh, California, and now you got, uh, what, uh, two days uh, on the north side of Chicago. And then we bother them. <laughs> and then we yeah. bother them. Uh-huh. <laughs> Thanks, Mark. Pre- Thanks a lot, Appreciate Mark. it. Have a good offseason, buddy. Guys. We'll be following you in the Tribune. Take care. Thanks, Mark. Gonzalez. Yeah, Gonzalez is a great guy. They, uh, you uh, know, what? they don't come much better. He's uh, he's out there all the time, and I like that he doesn't get overly excited about stuff. He's straight. He's forward. He gives you quick answers. He's got an opinion on all that stuff, and it's great. Fred, they got more problems now than uh, before a half hour ago when we uh, heard from uh, Mark. Yeah, you you actually jumped on the, the one question about the leadoff guy. Yeah. I, and my only question to him was, is when the Cubs start the season in April or March or whatever the hell it is. Um, Will the leadoff man that strolls to the plate for the Cubs, will it be a guy that's currently on the roster or somewhere else or someone else? And I don't know, uh-huh. you know, I like the D. Gordon situation because you can get D. Gordon and you can move Addison Russell if you want or Baez, either one. And then you could put Gordon at second. Could be a heck of a double play combination no matter who it would be. Now, he's not a free. He's got three years left, so it's a trade. Huh? He's got 13 times $3 million, uh, per year. He was uh, one or two in uh, baseball leading off. What do you the, mean uh, three by $13 million? Oh, he's got 13, 13, 13, or oh, okay. 13, 14, 15, okay. or whatever the heck. And uh, the uh, new ownership at uh, Miami says they want to unload money. He's a guy who had the uh, PED yeah, but 80 you know games what? at one a couple years ago. Yes, he did. But then last year he didn't, and he, well, he didn't, played, had he, a great season. They didn't fight. They didn't, no, he did not. Yeah. So he had a good season. He he was uh, one or two in baseball in the leadoff slot and like on base, yeah. stolen bases, stolen base percentage, runs scored. Of course, he had the big thumpers behind him, and he'd have the big thumpers hopefully behind him here. He had 201 hits. Yeah. Okay, he had 308 average. It's 60 out of 75 stolen bases. Yeah. He's on base. He gets on base. He's a little bit of a brick at second base. He's not this slick fielding guy that you want. But And legs go first. You know, at that age, what's he now? About 29, 28, 29? 29. All right. So you're going to have three more years. He's not going to be the same player. How old is uh, Zobrist? 36. Yeah, I mean... But speed was... You're right, but speed was never, was never his, his game. thing, yeah. And that's D. Gordon's game. And you know that if you give him... Yeah, but if you're real fast and you slow down, then you're just fast. You're still ahead if of the game? If you're not fast and you slow down, then you're slow. Vote right now. Last chance to vote. And uh, who will make the bigger trade this winter, the Cubs or the Sox? Fred, I'm voting for the Sox. Mark Gonzalez didn't bat an eyelash. He said Cubs. Yeah, I think Cubs, too. See... Here's the thing. It sounds so easy. All right? Uh-huh. Trade Baez. Trade Russell. Trade Schwarber. 
or trade Hap? All right, number one, you trade Russell, then obviously you move Baez to short, fine. Now your second baseman is half Hap and half Zobras. Mm-hmm. Neither of them is the defensive guy you want. No. All right. Move Schwarber. All right. His market value is good. Probably, and you pointed out all the things he would do in the American yeah. League correctly. You know, as a DH, no I don't doubt. Think, I don't think his his poor uh, average and not great on base right. uh, is going to affect him in the American League as no. a DH. But I'm talking about what's his value. Yeah. And so what do you get back for him? You're looking for a couple uh, relief pitchers, uh, someone's AAA pitcher and a, and a major league relief pitcher now. You're, looking for You're not th- going to get all that, or are you? I don't know. You might be. A, you can move him for a three or four starter. A number three or a number four, I think. Maybe you're better to move him for two bullpen guys. Because yeah. you need them almost as bad as a starter. Assuming you're going to sign Alex Cobb as yeah. your four or five. You always talk about how you need uh, eight or nine starters when the season starts. Oh, well, yeah. You need about 20 relievers. Because yeah. they're going to come yeah. and go, and one's going to suck, and you want to mm-hmm. bring someone else in. So you need a ton of them. So if you, but but you want to, if you're going to move Schwarber, you've got to pick up at least one guy that's going to be able to start for you. Then who plays left field? Now you got Hap and Zobrist also. Has to play. Well, they're both, but they're platooning at second. Yeah, but that's okay. They're so, platoon. Then that means they're both playing they're every both, day. Well, I mean, you know what? <laughs> See, I'm telling what's you, what's wrong with playing every day? I'm telling you, I don't think they're going to be able to afford to trade any of their big league players, but they can afford to sign free agents. They might just have to go to Tom Rick and say, "Tom, our farm system's barren." We got to sign free agents because I don't know who you're going to replace these four guys with if you trade one of them, other than the Zobrist hat. And you know what? Neither has proven to be an everyday player. We know Zobrist isn't anymore. Well, listen, if you trade if you trade one of them, maybe you can get a uh, good field no hit guy. And then you can have a good field no hit in left and in right. Or you get a good hit no field guy. Oh, you got Schwarber. Yeah. Well, you have Hap. <laughs> I mean. You know, but the thing with Hap is he's young enough yeah. that he can become a better defensive player. I don't know. Does that come along? I think so. Mm-hmm. I think you can work second base. It's not rocket science. I mean, okay, and- you can always become a better outfielder too. Outfielder, outfield should be the easiest position to learn if you have any any knowledge of catching a fly ball. And if you don't, you shouldn't play the game in the first place. Tight end is the hardest position to learn. That's what I've heard. Other than quarterback. That's what Daniel Brown, Daniel Brown, you can find him with me at Long Shots on Monday at uh, Joliet. Be there. So if the White Sox trade Avi Garcia, uh-huh. or if they trade Abreu, those would be bigger trades than anything the Cubs are going to do almost, right? Or as well, big. Unless it's Schwarber. Well, Baez is a big trade. Well, yeah. A Baez trade would be equal almost, equal to a Avi Garcia yeah. trade, would you I, say? To be honest with you, if I was the Cubs, I would move Russell before I'd move Baez. I'm just trying to answer he, my Twitter I can't uh, believe Twitter I'm saying poll. that. Yeah, I know. I'm, I can't believe I'm saying that. but That's why I'm going to say the Sox will have the bigger trade this winter. Fred, you're going to say... I don't think... I, I, don't, I don't think... A, I think Abreu, but if it, not a buy... I mean, if uh, Garcia was traded... But see, I don't think the Cubs are making any of these big trades that everyone's saying. Huh. I don't think they can afford to trade these position players because they got a barren, empty, failed farm system. Uh, they got no one to funnel up in. Yeah. So, you know what? I don't think you just re- you're not going to play with one fewer guy. They barely scraped through last year, scratched through last year with the guys they have. Let's see what the fans said. EO11, did you vote, by the way, Eric? I voted upstairs, ah. and I said Cubs. Okay. So 
the Cubs is are gonna uh, is aren't gonna win this thing by about eighty five to fifteen. My prediction. Yep. Predict. Pretty close. Seventy seven percent Cubs, twenty three percent Southside. All right. Here's one we should save the tape. Okay, Eric, can you mark that? And then we'll see what's. Uh, Shaking out here when we get down to spring training. Murph and Fred, hey, about a half hour away from Sam Smith. He'll give us a little rundown on your Chicago Bulls and uh, much, much more. Sam's an expert in all fields and just a guy that's fun to talk to. He said he'd give us a call when we return. Got some uh, uh, great sound bites from during the week. Miss a little, miss a lot. And you can vote right now for our 1030 Twitter poll, which is... Who will have a better career, A or B, all right? The Cubs, Jose Quintana, the White Sox, Eli Jimenez. They were traded for each other. Who will have the bigger career? Back in a flash, Murph and Fred, about halfway home. Busy day. Glad you're with us. Vote at ESPN 1000. Mike Murphy. Fred Hubner back together on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. 90 minutes down, 90 minutes to go. Glad, uh, I'm glad we have a nice day, beautiful day. Glad everyone's having, everyone's smiling, walking down State Street. We'll be smiling, Fred, over the next 90 minutes because we're having fun broadcasting sports talk on the radio. Vote. Right here from the Mazda State Street studio. Vote now. This uh, this update for you on uh, football. Bills wide receiver Kelvin Benjamin will not travel to Kansas City. Downgraded to out. So my uh, fantasy um, team is screwed again. And also Chip Kelly, the new coach at uh, UCLA. And Mike Riley out in Nebraska. So you got news happening everywhere on Saturday mornings. We'll get right to the phones, uh, Mike and Lansing. But uh, did you just mention uh, your fantasy uh, yeah. league? Okay. Uh-huh. Miss a little, miss a lot, Fred. Here you were uh, earlier this week. Uh, the Wall Street Journal had a little column about wide receivers in fantasy football. I think there are only, I think there are only three wide receivers in the NFL averaging 100 yards a, a, a game. And that's gone down from like... Double digits. It used to be when you when people were playing fantasy, you would grab a receiver and you go, "Well, he may not score for me, but he's going to go over a hundred yards at least ten or twelve times, and I'll get my Mike's points and stuff like that." This year, I think he said just. I think it said just three. Fred Hubner earlier this week. Fred, you're my football guy, football expert, and uh, so you know why? What's going on? Uh, how come? Uh, I thought I thought the NFL was passing, passing, passing. Yeah. How come there's so few uh, hundred yard uh, game guys now? The only thing I can think of is that they've they've spread it around so much um, that you know there's they've spread it around so much. Each team has three or four different guys that mm-hmm. catch the ball. They throw to the running back. They throw to the receivers. They throw to the tight ends. I'm looking here right now. Uh, only two receivers in the NFL of a thousand yards: Antonio Brown and Adam Thielen from Minnesota. You got him? Uh, no. I've got the guys underneath them. I've got Keenan Allen and DeAndre Hopkins. The problem is they have yards and they're not scoring touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Uh, Keenan Allen scored one the other day on Thanksgiving. DeAndre Hopkins lost his quarterback in Deshaun Watson, and he really hasn't been doing a whole heck of a lot either this year. So one possibility is, as you just mentioned, that they're spreading the ball around more. More weapons. Is that because there are, you know, who knows? 
fewer wide receivers uh, that are as competent as used to be? Or well, this is just a can, new philosophy? Or? I don't know. I think they can double team. They can double team some of the guys. Maybe defenses are figuring out how to slow down some of the better wide receivers mm-hmm. by double teaming them. And they, they say, you know, throw to your number two or number three guy. Mm-hmm. Um, the Bears opponent tomorrow, uh, Philadelphia, Wentz has 25 touchdown passes. He's throwing to everybody. Uh, he's thrown five to, I think he's thrown five to Alshon Jeffrey, five to Nelson Aguilar, and uh, six to his tight end. So his tight end has more touchdown catches than the than any of his receivers. On that topic, Chris Spielman, uh, the analyst who's done the last few Bears games alongside yep. Tom Brenneman, has a uh, nice little uh, soundbite we'll get to in a moment, talking about how he used to, uh, you know, run uh, to set up the pass and. And now uh, now it's the opposite. You flip flip the menu. Vote right now at ESPN 1000. Who will have the better career, Cubs Jose Quintana or the man he was traded for, White Sox Eloy Jimenez? Mike is down in Lansing near the state line, jumps in on the air now. Hello, Mike. Yeah, I don't know if you can necessarily look at it as a one-for-one trade. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Sox also got the Cubs' number one closer in Cease. Yep. And they got two other high minor leaguers. So Dylan Cease. Yeah, Dylan, D- Dylan Cease for the record. Yes, go ahead. Go ahead, uh, Mike. Yeah, and there's two other ones thrown in. So I don't know if it's necessarily a one-for-one comparison. Well, that's the way the question is. Because <laughs> I All wrote right, it. Then I'll say White Sox. Then I'll say White Sox. <laughs> Let's say the other guys get lost in the shuffle, and you never know. Dylan Cease did have uh, arm trouble back, you know, in his high school, a senior. That's where he got the, uh, the Cubs drafted him as a uh, future in the like, uh, fifth round. But right now, the uh, two I'm looking at is Jose Quintana, who is, uh, you know, not a bad uh, pitcher. He's got a career 500. He but helped the Cubs get to the postseason. Seven and three last yeah. year. He had his second best whip with the in his career. The whip uh, mm-hmm. went with the Cubs, 1.12. 1. Uh, but also, nothing you hear about Eloy Jimenez, caller Mike. Nothing bad here we hear about him. Uh, when do you think the White Sox uh, might want to uh, bring him up? Well, I think some of that's going to depend on how he does in spring training, but more realistically, mm-hmm. probably later in the year. Yeah. Yeah, I'd be surprised if they brought him up um, for anything more than a cup of coffee next year. And I don't know so many people are going to yell about starting the clock. Well, they will talk about that. I know. Now, Mark, know. You're a, uh, Mike, I'm sorry you're a Sox fan, but you recall when uh, Chris Bryant uh, right. was brought up not until April 17th. Of, of 2014, that's what Fred's alluding to, the start the clock. You get to keep him seven years instead of the six years. You get to almost steal a year before he's a free agent and the big, big dough rolls in. Might it not make sense for the White Sox to do the same thing? In other words, Eli Jimenez, star of the future, he looks like, uh, to be April 17th of 2019? I don't think there's any question they're going to push it back as far as they can, but... Mm-hmm. You got to remember, they're going to go against the same thing the Cubs went against. Because you've got so much young talent, they're going to, the, the fans are going to want you to push it up faster. Okay, than it should be coming up. All right. Yeah. Hey, good call, Mike. Phone again. All right, buddy. Thanks, Mike. Yep. Thank yeah. you. They're going to want to see him uh, yeah. next year. And you're right. It's going to come up. People are going to say, well, "Why aren't you bringing him up?" And the whole thing about 
uh, service time is going to going to jump up. And I don't think that the White Sox were worried about that in years past. Mm-hmm. Uh, with a guy like Eloy, Eloy Jimenez, they may worry about it. But then again, if Scott Boris isn't his agent, maybe they won't worry about it. Well, you heard what Mike said. If the fans start clamoring for him, Rick Hahn might feel pressure to bring him up. You know, at every general manager, they got the old axiom, the old saw. It's been going on. No one knows who said it first, but every GM now says it. If you listen to the fans, soon you'll be sitting we'll with be the sitting fans. With them. Yeah, I don't. Want, I don't want to see Eloy Jimenez. Uh, if I see him at all, I just want to be late next year. Mm-hmm. And um, other than that, you know, twenty nineteen coming year, you this mean. coming season, yeah, right, right. So back to the uh, run and pass and uh, set up the run, set up the pass. Now this is no big surprise, but over the uh, first, uh, you know. 80, 90 years of football, run the ball, run the ball. You know, then you set up the pass, the defense is in, you know, the defense is in, they're stopping to run, then whoosh, you pass it. And uh, Fox the other day, uh, Fox TV, Chris Spielman said this. You know, the old theory is, well, you got to run the throw. That went out about 15 years ago. In today's National Football League, in my opinion, you have to be able to throw to run. Because you have to make defenses on in your use, especially if you have a young quarterback. The Bears were actually facing a nine-man front, which, you know, anybody that faces a nine-man front, it's a quarterback. He's getting out of that play and say, okay, we're going. Let's go. Check that EO11. Thanks. That was actually, I heard it on the Waddle and Sylvia right. a couple of days after the Sunday game on yeah. Fox. Good uh, get, as they say. But, I said a uh, guest there. Yeah, by the way, I want to correct myself about DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah. He's got nine touchdown catches, which is more than anybody in the NFL. Mm-hmm. But I was right about the Antonio Brown is averaging 102.6 yards per, per uh, game. The next closest is Adam Thielen with 91 yards per game. So you only have one wide receiver averaging more than 100 yards a game so far. And uh, Brown with six touchdowns. Nobody's in double digits yet. Marvin Jones, who scored for uh, Detroit, um, has eight. Uh, so you got nine, eight, nobody was seven. So, I mean, it's, it's weird. Usually you would see double figures and you'll probably see it by the end of the season, but it's interesting that they're spreading it around. Even, you know, Julio Jones, a guy that many people consider the best receiver in the NFL, at 78 yards per game and one touchdown so far this season. Looking at the Bears notebook, <clears throat> excuse me, the other day, uh, Patrick Finley sometimes does a great job. He had the, uh, you know, good week, bad week, and worst week. Worst week. Cornerback Marcus Cooper. Oh, he was awful. Played only Not one possession. Played only twelve yeah. snaps, but allowed. <clears throat> excuse me, a twenty-eight yard touchdown to Marvin Jones on an out and up. He called it. People call it stop and go. They call it. Uh, there's all kind of names. And I think there was two plays after he allowed a seventeen yard game. And a seventeen yard catch to T.J. Jones uh-huh. on third and fifteen. Yeah. Is this the same guy? That stopped at the one-yard line earlier in the year with a uh, yeah. pick return. Marcus Cooper. A pick six. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then they came up and they got him from behind. Yep. Same guy. He's going to put senior on his name. On his uniform. I don't think it's there anymore. Cooper senior. They, uh, well, they probably heard us talking now about Now they have uh, uh, Trey McBride the, th- the third. Mm-hmm. So for, refer to me as Fred the Third from the rest of the show, would you please? Well, I don't have to refer to you as that because I saw <laughs> Phil Rosenthal this week. Of all the anecdotes that didn't make the final cut of last week's story on Sports Phone, quickie quiz in a minute, the best may be from alumnus uh, Fred Hubner. Well, you only had 59 seconds for the reports, uh, Fred said. 
So sometimes if I went over, paraphrasing now I am, over a minute, we had to cut somewhere, and we usually cut in the beginning to get it down to the extra the 59 seconds if it ran like a minute yep. uh, or, or a minute Just a minute, one it had second. to be 59 seconds, yeah. So it usually start with, uh, this is Fred Hubner for Sports Phone, so if we had to cut it, sometimes the uh, first letter would disappear. Be, this is Red Hubner uh-huh. for Sports and sometimes... It would just be Ed Hubner if we had to cut the F and the R. That's right. Yeah, this is Fred Hubner, Red Hubner, Ed Hubner. Yep. Sounds like a family ordeal. It does, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's pretty amazing. Because you, you had a beep, you had a tone, so you tried to jump on the tone at the beginning to get as many as you can because you're trying to get 31 scores in 59 seconds. It wasn't easy. But you could do it. Hey, Eric, you're a young guy. You've been hearing about sports phone. Do you find this uh, just a, a crazy, boring, or uh, sort of interesting to hear about the early days of how you tried to get the f- scores, especially if you were a gambler? I actually enjoy it. I think it's kind of interesting. Okay. Like what else? Like it makes sense. Yeah. yeah, it's cool. I think it's cool. Ben Finfer had the best line about the uh, story from Phil Rosenthal. What did he say? He wrote an interesting story about a bunch of old guys. <laughs> I said, "Hold on, we're not." No, yeah, you're right. We're all old. And yeah. that's not easy to do. So well no. played, well played. If no, we had more not. time, we'd name all those guys that are still uh, in the uh, industry, right? Yeah, we don't have enough time. No, we get an not. hour and forty minutes, or an hour and twenty minutes is not enough time. <laughs> You'll, you'll hear one of them on Bears games with Jeff Joniak. Yeah, Luke yeah. Canales will break it down for you. Right, there's only so many uh, George Hoffman's out there. Uh-huh. And, uh, Chris Bowden and yeah. you name it. Dave Wills. Dave Wills, nobody hates the Cubs as much as Dave Wills. Yeah, Tom Brenneman. I don't think so. What Dave about Wills, David, the Tampa Bay Rays announcer. Wasn't David Schuster, Ron Gleason, all those guys? Uh-huh. Quickie quiz in a minute. Yep, Ron Gleason, all of them. <laughs> Brian Wheeler, who's the Portland Trailblazers guy. You could win a prize if he answered the quickie quiz on a different phone number, Eric. Yep. Yeah. We, quickie quiz in yeah. a minute. We gave away tickets. Right. Who wore retired number 56 for the best? Bill Hewitt! Ah, you win a chicken dinner at Fred's house. Yeah, but you had to be the first one through. That was the toughest part. Back in a flash. Sam Smith in a few minutes. Murph and Fred till noon. Vote now. Our final of a chance for you to get your vote in for our 1030 Twitter poll. Who will have a better career? The Cubs, Jose Quintana or Sox, Eloy Jimenez. Voted ESPN 1000. How did the cow get in here? I resemble that. <laughs> okay, I get the picture. We're going to play a quick little uh, segment of What's Your Beef? Murph, what's your beef? <laughs> oh, Fred, I thought you never asked. Head him up, move him up, head him up, move him up. Sorry. Crank it up, Eric. All right. Okay. Jeez, what the hell's going on with these? What's going on with that cow? Sounds like a bullfights. Yeah, it sure does. Just Someone's fighting. Worst time. Yeah. Oh, you did ask. What's your beef, Murph? Those orange numerals. I can't stop myself. The Bears uniforms last Sunday. Now, here's the thing. 
All right. Okay. I love throwback. You know, I love the old uniforms. I love it when they do the throwback. I don't care. I love baseball when they do the throwback. And the, sometimes the Bears, and I don't know, does, hockey does the throw. I mean, John McDonough, they pull yeah. out somebody. Uh-huh. I don't think the uh, Bulls, uh, they haven't changed their uniforms since their inception in 1966. So they really don't have throwback. Very little, yeah. They have a little tweak here and a yeah. tweak there. But so Sunday they rolled it out again. We yep. know why, right? Count of three, merchandising, sell it, yeah. Now, for a brief period of time, somewhere there in the 40s, the Sid Luckman days, I remember Sid well. We had Sid in studio, you and I. He came in with his Bears jacket, sat with us for like a half hour, 45 minutes. Wonderful fellow. He was a tremendous guest. Wonderful So nice, yes, as he was. And I remember working with him when we first put the T formation together Uh back in the early 40s. Sure. And I said, you know, that single wing, that's not working. We're going to T formation. And he said, we'll never forget the way you thrill the nation. Uh-huh. So. Then they wrote a song. That's when they had the orange numerals. Yep. Well, guess what? They stopped wearing the orange numerals and turned them into white. You know why? Because no one in the stands, there was no TV back then. Right. No one in the stands could figure out who was with the ball. Who had, you couldn't you can't. Here's a news flash, NFL, because they probably make the Bears do it. Or here's a news flash, Ted Phillips. We got to sell more throwbacks. News flash. You can't see the orange. You can't read the numbers. Jeff Joniak, he can't figure. He, you know, I'm sure he's struggling up there. Was that uh-huh. 88, 86? Who, was that 89? Or who caught that? Well, you can't tell. And they stopped using the orange numbers, numerals. Because no one could see him back then, and they went, here's an idea. Let's go white. All right. Uh-huh. That's it. That's all. Okay, I'll get out of here. All I just right. got to tell you one thing. I must have, I mean, I don't know what my, my mom and dad were doing when they conceived me. Yeah. I mean, I have an idea what they were doing when they mm-hmm. conceived me. But I, I, I must have missed the gene because in my history, my long history on this planet, I haven't given a rat's rooty tootie about uniforms. Okay. I don't care if they're throwbacks. I don't care if they're different colors. I don't care how many you have. You don't like it when the White Sox wear the, the red pinstripes? Never mind. The Bill Melton, Richie They were Allen? the best. They were the best. You don't like it when they throw those out once a year on a Sunday now or something? Nothing. They never, it never, I never get excited about it. Yeah. And I never care about it. Uh-huh. I don't really like the ones they wear on Sundays. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't. I don't get worked up about it. You know, I what? might be the only sports fan that doesn't give a damn yeah. about what kind of uniform they wear. I know why. I grew up in Cicero. There's not too much I believe in unless I see it. There's no <laughs> doubt about it. I don't care what you're wearing as long as it's not the same as the other team. That bothers me. If you're wearing blue and the other team's wearing blue, then I might get concerned. Let's get the results of our 10:30 uh, Twitter poll. Let's bring in uh, EO11 with the results. Who will have a better career, the Cubs' uh, Jose Quintana or the uh, man he was traded for, Mike from Lansing? It was four for one, Murph. I know. Dylan Sassi. Uh, or was it uh, Eloy Jimenez? Well, I'm going to say that uh, this Brad is going to... Rose and Brian Fleet. This is... <laughs> I need an enema. Let's go to uh, old logic, which is these usually come out about party lines... It's going to be by party lines. It's going to be the Cubs. Sixty-six percent of the votes are uh, between sixty and sixty-six, and uh, White Sox votes are going to be uh, between the thirty-three and forty percent. Eo eleven. Murph, your party lines are upside down. 
Yes! 61% Eloy Jimenez, 39% Jose Quintana. Now that is a stunning upset here at the, uh, the, the voting booth. Well, you know, there was so much talk about Eloy Jimenez before he got dealt. Mm-hmm. And the great catch he made in the uh, Futures game two years ago and all that kind of stuff. So I'm was... stunned by the results. Yeah. Are you sure you got those not upside down or uh, you're not into the second martini over there, EO? Hmm? I mean, the voters might be, but no, I am not. <laughs> right, right. I'll bet you that Eric has never had a martini. Well, I have not a fan. I, I'm oh, not, okay. I, I, I have. Which I, I bartended for gin. I've tried okay. both, but gin I've tried. It's the one I would have if I had to have one. There you go. Yeah, beef theater martini. I'm, I'm more of a, an old-fashioned Manhattan person. Oh, okay. Yes. Lovely Dana likes uh, Southern Comfort Manhattans with the cherry. Uh-huh. Very nice. I can't do SoCo anymore. That's one of those where you can't you go too near many, it again. Right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. I had that works. with tequila back in college, and I still can't drink it. Yeah. I know what you're coming from. There's not much, from. unfortunately, that I can't drink. Right. So, Except bourbon. I don't know why I eat, I can't stand bourbon. But, Eric, uh, as a uh, young uh, bartender, know, driving uh, off the road. working your way up the ranks in bartending a school, and you went to, you became a bartender, you're saying, did... Uh, didn't you notice that they, uh, there's a, a demographic uh, 20, 30-year-old? Everything's called a martini. I want a martini. But they don't mean a martini. They just, they just mean like... Uh, they just want vodka in a yep. glass. If it shaking. comes in yep. the shaped yeah. glass, the V-shaped martini glass, then they call it a martini. There's only one martini. It's the uh, gin with a little bit of a vermouth. Or vodka, if you must. With a little vermouth. With a little bit of vermouth. Right. They and then if you make it that way, they go... I can't drink yeah, this. Right. Then you have to remake it without the vermouth. So you finally, over time, you learn as a bartender, don't put the vermouth in because then they'll send it back. But then it's not really a martini. So I would send it back and say there's no vermouth in it. Oh, I'm sorry, sir. You're the one out of a hundred numbskull out of step You'd Charlie. You'd be the only one. That actually yeah. want the vermouth in it, right? Yes, I do. Blue cheese. couple blue cheese out. There's nothing, there's nothing more of a pain in the tail as a bartender than stuffing the blue cheese olives. Oh, that's a lot of work. Yes, it is. I know. I always say, give me four, please. You used to have to do it they after every... They don't only give two. Yeah. I go, but yeah, the last guy didn't get any, so give me his. Back after, in a every, flash. after every day at the bar, <laughs> had uh-huh. to stuff the olives. Sam Smith coming up next. Bulls.com. Talk a little Bulls, a little NBA. Lots to cover there. And I'm still stunned by the results. Eli Jimenez to have the better career. What was it about? What was the percentage again? 61%. Amazing. Back in a flash. Vote. For our 11 o'clock Twitter poll at ESPN. What is it, Murph? Tell you when we get back. 1,000. Four and three and two and one. one. Hour number three. ESPN 1,000. Sun shining down on the city of Chicago, and boy, it's nice to get a few good weather days in a row. Vote right now. Here's our 11 o'clock Murph and Fred Fan Focus Group Twitter poll. Yes or no, will the Bulls improve too much and blow their draft pick coming up? Vote at ESPN 1000. Sam Smith said he'd phone in from Bulls.com, and he has. Let's say hello. Oh, one of our favorite guys. Nice enough a couple times a year to set a few minutes aside for Murph and Fred. 
Good morning, Sam. Welcome aboard. Murph, good to talk to you, Fred. Likewise, uh, thanks a lot. <laughs> Sam, we got some information that you've got a book out. It looks fascinating. Hold it. He's, he's got time to write a book? Very little, but Sam is efficient. He doesn't sleep. <laughs> he doesn't sleep. No, with this, you know what? With this Bulls team, I got plenty of time. Um, but uh, you, you guys, you guys especially, I hope more people buy it than you guys, but oh. you guys especially will love this because it's, it's really a definitive history of the, the NBA Mm-hmm. In the well, 60s and the 70s. Let's uh, give the title. Uh, it's called Hard Labor. The story of the NBA uh, from uh, 57 to 76. Free agency. Oscar Robertson, the big O. His lawsuit, uh, the 14, as they called themselves. Uh, uh, finally, record paydays for today's players. Lawsuits. Hard labor. Sounds essential uh, to me. Uh you, I, you and I, Sam, and Fred, uh, he's the youngster here, but young fans will find it hard to believe. They'll find it hard to believe that, for instance, when I was a kid, fellas, and uh, Sam and, and Fred, you know, uh, baseball, for instance, you could only improve your team through trades, and there wasn't even a draft. You had to go out, bird dog, get your scouts and sign and go, hey, we found Mickey Mantle in Oklahoma playing sandlot ball. Now you got trades, the draft, and free agency. It was a lot more tricky, and this brings us to your era and this book, Hard Labor. The general managers, they had the player locked up for life. Maybe they'd make a trade. Maybe they wouldn't. No draft scout around. Times have really changed, but the players were locked in. Baseball head Kurt Flood, he sued. He says, hey, we're not indentured here for, uh, uh, for life. Is that what we're getting the story? I never knew anything about the NBA doing all this, uh, Sam Smith. Well, absolutely. The NBA did it first, really. And uh, I think, you know, the reserve clause, the famous reserve clause, comes from baseball in the late 1800s, where they literally just said that the owners were going, we're going to reserve five players for each team, hmm. and uh, they can't leave. Yeah. And so that just was sort of accepted in sports. And in the NFL, you know, the NFL story is great when they tried to uh, uh, merge with the AFL. Uh, they cut a deal, a backroom deal with Russell Long, the senator from uh, Louisiana. He said, you give me a team in Louisiana, and I will uh, ignore the antitrust laws of the country and allow the merger. Huh. And so we got the New Orleans Saints. Uh, when the uh, NBA tried that with the ABA, mm-hmm. uh, they ended up before the committee with Sam Irvin, who went on to greater fame with the Watergate Committee. He said, well, these are contrary to the laws of America, actually. You can't do that. <laughs> yeah. And so that... Uh, uh, that started that suit, and uh, Kurt Flood came later. The NBA, really, NBA labor was the first in sports. Wow. Bob Cousy started I, the union in 57. And there's incredible stories about hmm. the, the, the conditions these guys, Elgin Baylor, <laughs> sitting out regular season games because he couldn't, couldn't stay with the team in the hotel or eat with the team in the restaurant because he was black. And amazing things these guys went through. The Lakers plane crash. Yeah, uh, mm. not talked about much. You know, it was sort of their sully moment uh, in, in the field in Iowa, right? Not long after the Buddy Holly plane crash. Yeah, yeah. Where, uh, and so, you're just a great, you know, a great 
Uh, history. I know you guys want to talk to me no. about other stuff. No, 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 no. Well, wait, like, <laughs> you said, like you said, with this Bulls team, maybe no. not so much. But I, anyway, let me just let me just let me just uh, uh, zip back one class. Hard labor is the book. In fact, uh, a neighbor when I was a kid, a longtime Chicago Bear great was a, a neighbor about a block down. George Blanda. Even the young kids have heard of him. Number sixteen. He said he was so meagerly paid uh, by George Hallis. He actually sat out and didn't play. You're talking about this type of thing, Sam. In the NFL, the AFL was coming along with the help, as you mentioned, with the uh, with the politicians and the government governors and that. George Bland in '59, as I he didn't even play. That way, he got his free agency, and he then could talk to every team in the AFL and ended up getting a big bid, a huge contract for the time compared to what he was getting from George Hallis with the old Houston Oilers. So every league's been doing this, Kurt Flood. And what happened then briefly with the Oscar uh, Robertson to get some uh, leverage finally for the NBA guys back in the day, Sam? Well, they wanted to do the same thing and sneak through you know, the merger so to, you know, take away the leverage from players because it was essentially an agreement among the owners, wink, yeah. wink, you know, you can be a free agent. Well, look, you know, look what happened with Walter Payton. You know, he became a free agent. Walter Payton, greatest running back, you know, one of the greatest in history, can't get an offer. I mean, are you kidding? <laughs> How could that be? You know, we talk about Colin Kaepernick and that uh, these days. Yeah. Okay, you know, but Walter Payton can't get an offer. And, you know, the NBA, you know, a similar situation. You know, their first-round draft picks, they're, you know, the lottery picks, whatever, they didn't have the lottery, obviously, then. But the top draft picks didn't get guaranteed contracts uh, back then, you know, before this as a result. So the NBA could have been football if not for what these guys did, you know, with the, with the lack of wow. guaranteed contracts and the lack of getting all this stuff. And, and, that, and that's sort of the purpose of my book, why I wrote it, Sounds... trying to make an appeal to the current players. Yeah. Look what those guys mm. did, and none of them benefited from it. I'll tell you, some of those guys, and I do, and I do try to help them. One of, and, and one of those players, and I won't say who, called me the other day and asked, you know, hey, I'm not doing well. You know, could you send me a couple of hundred bucks? And you know, they, these guys, these guys literally have no money. Yeah. Uh, the average salary, you know, when the Robertson suit started was eighteen thousand uh, dollars. You know, some guys, you know, Wilt made a hundred and. Russell made a hundred, but you know most of these guys were making twenty and thirty thousand uh, dollars back then. And you know, being pro athletes, you don't uh, you, you know you have a measure of pride. You don't you don't go uh, sort of you know publicizing that you know that you need you need money. But you know, you look back to what these guys made in that era, uh, and the NBA has tried to do stuff. I give them credit. You know, probably much more than football, uh, especially, um, but. You know, these guys, Oscar was kind of blackballed after his suit. He got kicked off at CBS. He was, he was the broadcaster oh. for the NBA. And when he filed his suit, they, they fired him. They said, well, you're still in the league. We're not going to have you on the team. It's amazing. Uh, Chet Walker, you know, his last season in the NBA, told him, you either pay for the Bulls or you play for nobody. Uh, I own you. And Chet said, nobody owns me. And he retired. So, uh, he's been aver- he averaged eight, 19 points a game his last season. Oh, he was awesome. So was a, player, a player whose name we would recognize, certainly we don't want to hear the name, it actually uh, did phone you uh, recently, huh? Absolutely. Hall of Famer. 
Jeez. Jeez. It is unbelievable. Well, you know what? We'll, we'll, we'll move on to the current bullies now. But I tell you, the don't get me started, fellas, on the antitrust exemption. No league should have the antitrust exemption. There should be no draft. The draft is patently illegal. And the uh, negotiated network TV deals, uh, to me, not an not a, uh, antitrust attorney, is also patently illegal. But for some reason, they have the antitrust exemption, which also held the players down for so many years. But that was then. Last night, I was there. I was up till midnight. Well, I bailed out about the, <laughs> mid, about the middle of the fourth quarter. But, Sam, we have a uh, Twitter poll right now. The fans are all voting on. Yes or no, vote at ESPN 1000. Will the Bulls improve too much? and blow their draft pick this year. I don't think we have to worry too much about that. <laughs> well, hey, the last... no, after, after a 49-point loss, <laughs> I, uh, I, 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 get, I think I know the sentiment of your listeners. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sam said, yeah, I'll come on Saturday morning. That was earlier this week. He was kind of, he didn't know it was going to be a 49 point game on Friday night. Well, no, you know, no, I, I, I knew, I knew that. <laughs> yeah. We all knew that. You saw it coming. The end of a, the, the end of a Western Conference road trip. Yeah, well, we didn't know the Golden State would lose the previous game. Of right. course, they only played half their team. <laughs> so, um, but you know, it's a, it's an ambivalent sort of thing with the Bulls. Mm-hmm. You know, it's painful to go through. You know, to watch these things and to be a fan, and you know, you're rooting for the team to succeed. But at the same time, you know, you really don't want the team to succeed because the whole goal of this thing and, and, and starting over again is to get into that lottery and. You know, I think I think I like the way the Bulls are doing it uh, compared to the Sixers. I know the Sixers get credit now, but all that all that you know dumping of games they did didn't get them Embiid, and Embiid is the whole thing. And right. As long as if he stays healthy, they're fine. But it wasn't didn't it it it, it, it had nothing to do with sort of their felonious way of handling things. Now I don't know if I should give the Bulls credit for trying and losing, <laughs> you know, but they're trying. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Then you know they're not they're not just getting a player and and if the player does well, getting rid of him as soon as they can, which the Sixers did. Their best player is out, Levine. You know, when he he comes back, if he's assuming he's healthy and he has, you know, he is now. He apparently is. Um, you know, that's one thing. And they got so so they have sort of. The, the start of a core in place with Levine and Markin, and they have two legitimate NBA starters, and that that you know that's a pretty big thing. And now, if you're you know get one of the top picks in the draft, I know they're 19 years old, and who knows? But you know, when the kid from Duke, who uh, I was watching yesterday, <laughs> you know, we watch a lot more of those guys now. Sure, you know, there's a, there's a big guy from Arizona, and so. You know, if you if you can add another talent, especially an athletic one, hopefully. Uh, you got the core of something, and that's you know that's what this is what this is about. So, you know, you got to go through the pain. I wouldn't worry too much about them blowing their draft position. Okay. <laughs> now, speaking of his revisit with Sam Smith, longtime famous scribe, uh, follows the Bulls at Bulls dot com right now. Sam, uh, so late in the game last night, uh, listening to uh, Stacey King watching, and uh, Markinen, you know, he's been uh, he's been a little ill, I guess, and uh, he's a lot of travel. He's not used to the you know day off play, day off play. I'm sure, but no excuses. But his what, what did we have him last night? Fred, fourteen four? points, four of sixteen four, shooting, four of sixteen, and Stacey said it. You know, he's more than a three point gunner. 
quoting him here. Uh, I'd like to see him, you know, drive to the basket more, and which he had been doing the last game or two. Uh, leagues uh, adjusting, uh, matchups. Uh, but what do you see uh, short term, but more long term for Mark and Sam? Yeah, there was there was some of that. I mean, you can see a couple of elements with him. I mean, he's really got a great stroke, and you can see that, and you saw it immediately. Um, you know, what, I'm, he was he was supposed to play what 15, 18, 20 minutes. All of a sudden, you know, the team got into a brawl, or at least two guys, yeah. and, and knocked each other out. You know, Meritich was supposed to say that didn't happen, which is certainly unusual. Meritich would be starting still, you know, and, and Portis would be coming off the bench maybe, or Portis starting one of them, you know, and, and, and marketing would have been fighting for these minutes, and, and the management would have been going, you know, hey, why is he not out there playing 20 minutes, you know, mm-hmm. in the coach? Yeah. So, so all of a sudden he gets thrust into this job, you know, in the starting job, playing 30-some minutes a game, and he's the best player on the team all of a sudden, and he's 20 years old. Uh, he's in the U.S. a year, and, and he just spent the entire summer playing for Finland, which is, doesn't have this uh, great basketball depth, as far as I can tell. And so he's the star of their team, and, the, you know, they don't, it's not great conditions when you play, you know, in those international tournaments and housing and all that sort of stuff. So, you know, goes through this incredible period of time, thrust into the starting lineup. What I'm saying is I'm frankly mm. surprised he hadn't had this, you know, stall, little stall uh, before. Sure. So, but, but but watching him, it's pretty clear that he's feeling the responsibility. He, he, I've been around him. And he doesn't talk much. Um, you know, he's not un, he, he's not unpleasant at all. Um, and frankly, he does second language better than anybody in America I know. But um, certainly around sports. Um, but you can see he's feeling the pressure that the, the team is relying on him because he's done well. And so he's forcing a lot of shots. You know, he's taking quicker shots. Obviously, if you're defending, if you're doing a game plan for the Bulls, you're saying, okay, well, that guy can score. Let's, let's guard that guy. You know, these other guys, they, 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 we don't, we'll give them, you know, we'll take their chances with these guys. So it's a combination of things that, uh, and, you know, they, they're running things to get him spots in different places. Yeah, like Stacy said, and Stacy's right. You know, yeah, you get him in the post a little bit, because he did that a few games ago. Yes, yep. Phoenix. He went in, you know, he made a couple of fadeaway jump shots. and um, But I think he's rushing his shot a little bit. He's taking and he's, you know, trying to get the, you know, sort of the, like the coaches always say, get it all back at once kind of thing. Uh, because actually they were okay at the beginning of the trip. Phoenix was okay. They sort of had a really competitive game last and They had a great first half in L.A., you know, up 15 yep. points or something, and, and played really well. And then just the bottom fell out. And once the bottom falls out, you know, guys start, you know, and that's what's happened. Guys sort of going on their own, you know, a lot of isolation and, you know, quick jump shots and uh, bad habits. So, I think he's gotten caught up a little bit in that, but sure. um, you know the guy's really good. You know you can yeah. see, and, and he's better than I thought. Uh, I don't watch college ball, so I really couldn't have. I wouldn't know, you know. But a lot of those college systems um, under under you know show what a player can do because there's zones and they're you know it's overcoached and it's a, you know you got to throw 15 passes you know like the <laughs> Hoosiers movie first and you know it's stupid stuff that they do. You know, and so you can see that he's a talent, and he'll, he'll, you know, he'll be fine. And when Levine comes back, 
and I don't know how much minutes he'll play or what they'll do initially, but, I mean, he, he'll be the focus then, and, and then the kids should have more room. Yeah. You, you know, you mentioned isolation and rushing shots, and I actually thought when Denzel Valentine got drafted, he'd be a guy to be able to, you know, playing under Tom Izzo, and maybe it's just doing that college thing and being more structured and everything, but... I, Someone just needs to sit down with this guy and explain to him, you know, on a one-on-four break, you should wait for the rest of your team. And he takes some of the most, I don't know, untimely shots. Uh, You know, it's like he doesn't understand what the score is, what the clock is, where his teammates are. I I think he's not a bad player, but he, he just doesn't seem to make smart plays on the court. You know, you're right. About, I think you're right about a. You know, he he is a smart player. He's got he's got a fundamental flaw that's going to be tough. And actually, he did, he's done good things. I thought on on this trip. Yeah. But you, you hear you hear the thing the the cliche about you know the game's going too fast. Sure. You know, and then it gets slows down. It, it's never going to slow down for him because he's not fast enough. Uh huh. You know, he's he he's not. And NBA level athleticism. So, you know, you what he's. He, I, I sense watching him. You know, he's trying to catch up all the time. Okay. Yeah. Know, with the with the level of the game, and just because it's so fast, and he's just not fast enough. He's, you know, he he's a he's a useful guy. Uh, I thought yesterday he was the only guy in last night's game who played well. Uh, you know, but then he sort of got out of, out of it in the, you know, the second half when it sort of got, uh, out of control, you know, but in the first quarter he came out and, you know, he shot the ball well, he moves it, you know, he rebounds, he does a lot of things. He just doesn't do them fast enough at, a, at an NBA athletic level to be a starter, but he could, he could be, you know, a reserve kind of player. Cause you know, the things you said are right. He, you know, he, he, he knows how to play, right. you know, he knows the things to do, but I think everybody's like, you know, it's like a race, and like all of a sudden everybody's running faster than him, <laughs> and now he's just trying to catch up. Uh-huh. So he does a couple of these things, you know, maybe he takes a quick shot or whatever. Um, and that's, I mean, it's just something, you you know, you can't teach that. You can't teach somebody <laughs> to be a better athlete. No. And, and, and actually that's a flaw the Bulls have in their roster uh, construction. They have too many guys that are unathletic. Right. Um, well, there was a guy, know, and they have to add that. Well, there was a guy playing last night, uh, Jordan Bell. Now I remember on draft day, and for the next week or two, John Paxson had to answer all the questions. Well, you know, uh, uh, why why'd you trade uh, the pick for three and a half million dollars? And you know, he had some good answers. But I bet Pax watching the game last night was, oh, I, I hope Murph and Fred don't bring this up tomorrow. This guy, Jordan Bell, I don't know much, but he's athletic. He'll maybe never score, but he looks like a guy to come off the bench. Unfortunately, we got about only a minute or two left, Sam. But uh, what would John Pax be saying today? Same thing about Jordan Bell for the three and a half million uh, draft day? Do you think? Yes, I got to be with Pax on this one. <laughs> I tell you one thing: I watch enough Bulls games to know yeah. they don't need another guy who can't score and can't shoot. Okay, there you go. <laughs> and, <laughs> and you know, so yeah, I mean, you could, you could, if you block shots and play defense for a team that's losing by 25 points a game, I guarantee you no one will notice. Okay. Uh, and okay. just quickly, the other part is yeah. they had Miritich, they had Portis, they had Market, and they had three guys at that position. Yes, we didn't know they were going to punch each other out. Okay. But, you know, at that point, you weren't – this guy had been, you know, under normal circumstances, if the Bulls had drafted him, 
in the G League. And then he would be averaging six points in the G League. Gotcha. And you'd go, gee, you're going to bring him up to the team? <laughs> oh, they can't score, and we're going to bring up all a right. guy illegal can't score. All right, maybe the $300 million wasn't a bad idea after all. Sam Smith, our new book, Hard Labor, sounds fascinating how the players achieved their uh, free agency and lawsuits uh, back to the uh, Oscar Robertson uh, days. Uh, I can't uh, wait to... to delve into hard labor. Also, check out Sam at Bulls.com. He had his, uh, with a question mark, the Bulls top 10 all time, and then he went and listed his top 10. See if you agree or nice. disagree. Nice. You know, move some guys around all a little right. bit, but the top two, I think were pretty easy. Hey, Sam, last thing. I don't get, we don't talk to uh, Neil Funk very often. Uh, every game now. <laughs> you should. I know. No, he, he, hey, EO 11. Invite Neil on. I love Neil. Every game, I know this is new on TV. Before the just as the game's beginning, he'll list and uh, name the three uh, referees for tonight's game, and then he goes, "As assigned by the NBA." Now he never used to say that. Is that a league edict that's come down? Does he do it on his own? Is that because uh, uh, back when they won, the ref was fixing games? Uh, why do you think, uh, or do you know, uh, why Neil has uh, recently this year started going as assigned by the NBA? You know, I'm. Uh, you can assign me that project. I will get you that answer. I will ask Neil personally. Okay. But, you know, sometimes with senior citizens like Neil, they just say things off the top of their head. You never know what they're going to talk about. I love his story about his mailman when he was a kid with so-and-so, some fa <laughs> famous NBA guy. Abe Saperstein, maybe. I don't know. My mailman was Red Auerbach's uh, grandfather. That was great. Hey. But let, let me tell you this. Uh, uh, yeah. you got to appreciate what they do. There's a lot of time to fill on these books. Oh, no. Oh, yeah, oh, there no. sure is. No, I, Neil and Stacey are they're terrific. They are terrific, as are you. Sam Smith, hard labor. Thanks for uh, some of your personal time here. We uh, Everyone loves hearing you. Thanks, Sam. Uh, thanks, guys. Thanks a lot, Sam. Right. Yeah, Murph and Fred, you know what? I could listen to him all day long. Yeah. But unfortunately, we got to take a break. Uh, last chance, vote right now. Uh, he cracks me up. You want another guy that can't score? Okay, well, maybe you got a good point there. Yeah. Uh, uh -huh. Last chance to vote right now. Our uh, 11 o'clock Twitter poll was, uh, will the Bulls improve too much and uh, blow up their drafted yes or no vote at ESPN 1000? show is going pretty well. I love this show. Uh -huh. I love this show. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, Trace. Tracy Butler. Right. Tracy Butler. When does she come out? Does the weather every Friday on uh, uh, I think with the boys? Except, you know, this past week because nobody was here Friday. Right. Except me and Ben. God, I thought she was on maybe Wednesday talking about the Thursday games. Or th uh, she, no, that's yeah. what I mean. She was probably on Thursday, Wednesday. You. Okay. Yeah. All right, let's bring in EO11. Let's get the results of our uh, active current Twitter poll. Will the Bulls... You were laughing at this with Sam Smith, right? Yeah, so was he. Will the Bulls improve so much? No, actually, too much. Will the Bulls improve too much and blow their uh, draft pick uh, chances? Yes or no? <laughs> I guess that... EO11. Eric, I guess that wasn't my best effort. Huh? I thought it would be a little... Yeah, it's uh, 79% says no, 21% says yes. 21%? That's a lot more than I would think, Me really. too, yeah. All right. That's there, surprising to me. There's the optimist. Well, maybe they figure 
Is it pronounced Levine, right? Maybe they're Levine. Yeah, I said. the rescue. Yeah, Zach Levine. Okay, sounds good. Yeah, it'd be nice to see him on the court. Also, it'd be nice to see Chris Dunn improve as a point guard, but we'll see if that happens or not. All right. We only got a few minutes left. Point and guards I have are important a... from what I understand. <laughs> I don't know much about basketball, but that's what they tell me. We only have a few minutes left. How long is this segment right now? <laughs> we just started. What is the next commercial? We just started, Brandon Marshall. Jeez. Just started right. the segment. Well, let's go to the yellow pad. What do okay. you say? Okay. Let's go to the yellow pad. Now, here's a note. I guess it would be another one of those crazy stats. This is Chris Hine, the Tribune. Dateline, Sunrise, Florida. Wherever the heck that is, Sunrise, Florida. If you think the Blackhawks have been a little unlucky in the goal department this season, uh, there are numbers to back that up if you think they've been unlucky. How can you have stats for luck and unluck? I don't know. That's a good question. Let's read on. The Blackhawks have had more shots hit the posts this year and the crossbar than any team in the league, according well, to NHL.com. Now, where do you hear Joe Quenville's comment? I never even knew they had that stat. No. <laughs> well, you would think that they'd have, they should have a stat about number of posts hit because yeah. I know in the, uh, I think it was the last Hawks game, that last one or the one before that, they hit two or three in the first period. Lead the league. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, you know what? That's, that's on you. I mean, you got to, you know. It doesn't even count as a shot on goal because it doesn't go in the net. The posts don't count. The Hawks have hit the posts with 17 shots and have had one go off the crossbar for 18. Defenseman Cody Franzen said the Hawks can only chalk this up to bad puck luck. That's fun to say. Puck luck. Yep. <laughs> There's, that's, that's one way of saying it. All right. They always say put the puck on goal. You don't know what's going to happen if you if you shoot the puck towards the net. So they're shooting it towards the net. They're just not shooting it into the net yellow as much pad, as they need to. Yellow pad note. You know, these Bears injuries are starting to add up. It's starting to really irritate me. Hold it, hold it. Did we just play a tape from last year? Yes. Yeah. And live now. Played them both at once simultaneously. You're exactly right. So I'm going to give you three names. Trevathan. Danny, right? Danny Trevathan. Danny Trevathan. Jamal Freeman. Jarrell Freeman. Jarrell. Yeah. Been so long. Haven't seen him. Now, you know what? He screwed up. He took PEDs twice. Yes. We don't even deserve this. He doesn't even deserve his name to be said. Leonard uh, Floyd, all right? Uh-huh. Now, PED guys, bad guys, good guys. The point is, they started the season, they played the 3-4. Four, four linebackers. The left inside linebacker was Trevathan. Started the L-I-L-B, the little b. The right inside linebacker, the... R-I-L-B, Rilb, Freeman, and the right outside linebacker, the Raub, Leonard F- Floyd. How are you supposed to be any good? And I'm not complaining. I'm not using excuses. Injuries. I am. I'm using ex- uh, injuries as excuses. So you got to replace them with three guys that weren't starters, though. I mean, uh-huh. how, what team could survive three of their four linebackers uh, going down? Nobody. Absolutely nobody could. And I'm well, look- then it's not an excuse. They can't. They couldn't survive. You just said no, but it is excuse. It's an excuse for why they're struggling. Okay. Yeah, and um, 
You know, people say, well, look, the Patriots have different guys. And mm-hmm. the Patriots don't even have dominant guys playing. And it, guys can come in and, and switch players or switch positions. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, each and every team. You don't have a quarterback in Denver. They're no good. You had Derek Carr got hurt with the Raiders for a while. He can't do anything. You have, um, uh, let's see, the uh, 49ers. That's, that's not a good comparison. Any team that loses some of their talented and star players yeah. is going to struggle. There's that's That should be the un, the rule in the NFL. I don't care. You know, you can struggle. You can get as be as good and play as hard as you want. But if you don't have those talented players that make you a winning team, okay. you're not going to win games. Now, what about in fantasy? I'm in fantasy baseball. I'm not in fantasy football. That's got to kill you. Oh, it's ridiculous. Yeah, injuries hurt you, especially I had an injury, a wide receiver. I picked up Robert Woods, the wide receiver for the Rams. The week I picked him up, he got hurt. So he's hurt again. And in one of the leagues we are in, you only get a certain number of moves a year. So no I, excuses. I asked my brother, no, I just bad. Right, right. Every guy I picked is hurt. You know, that's my fault. I didn't pick healthy guys, I guess. But is it? I mean, guys with track record, okay, if he's hurt every year, maybe you don't want to pick him. But yeah. how do you know a guy's going to get hurt? You don't. But you it's your know. fault. Your fault for picking them. I guess. <laughs> I guess you could say it that way. A hey, vote right now, our Twitter poll. Uh, oh, which of these four items will be closer to the truth? A, Adam Shaheen will have a very good career. B, Tariq Cohen will have a very good career. C, both Shaheen and Cohen will have very good careers. D, both will be bust outs. Vote right now at ESPN 1000. Let's go back to the uh, yellow pad. All right. Every week, Fred, it seems like this comes up, the uh, coin flip and the defer. <laughs> uh, I, I, knew, I knew it was going to evoke a laughter, uh-huh. a little bit of laughter from Fred. Make Fred laugh when they win. All right. Now, I believe I have this right. The Bears haven't scored in the third quarter 17 games in a row, unless they did this week. I think I had this just before. Huh. Okay. Rap. The Bears haven't scored in the third quarter in 17 games, unless it was they haven't scored on the first possession in the last 17 games. Okay. Let's even temper it that way. Well, I know this I know this past uh, week was the first time all season long they scored in their first possession. The Bears. Of the game. Right, of the game. Correct. Yeah. This is the beginning of the second half. No, no, no I understand. I yeah. know. So, they haven't scored in the first uh, drive of the second half in 17 games. I thought I even heard they haven't scored in the third quarter. That can't be right. But they haven't scored in the first drive of the third quarter in the last 17 games. So, what does that do to the thing if you win? And they've won the flip. Oh, I'm glad I remember. A ton of they've times. They've won the flip 14 yeah. out of those 17 games. Yep. So, what's the benefit of this? Hey, if you win the flip, you defer, and then you work on that in the, at halftime adjustment, you come out with those plays because you know with the D, it doesn't mean anything. Well, at least for the Bears. Maybe in general it does. Yeah, it does. Okay. Okay. It will, And it will, too, when Mitchell Trubisky becomes better and Adam Shaheen becomes better and Tariq Cohen gets more ah, playing time and Jordan right? Howard and I the agree. offensive line I is agree. all healthy and everything else. Which, and they get another couple receivers, then yep. it'll all work fine. Which brings us to the next yellow pad point. I don't know how you did that. But 2018, same topic, Fred, that you just said. Whoever the offensive coordinator is for the Bears next year, right? right. Okay. It's not a done deal that... Uh, 
everyone's gone, but probably. Well, but his contract's up at the end of the year, right. both coordinators. So whoever the offensive coordinator for the Bears next year, now call me crazy, but you got Thunder. Again? You got Thunder and Lightning uh -huh. in the backfield, right? Yep. Uh, Cohen and uh, Howard. Right. Let's say Shaheen, and you've uh, warmed up a little. I've heard you're uh, yeah. with your shows. Uh, He's gotten better. Tight, you got the tight end Shaheen, and let's say somehow they get a wide receiver, be it first pick. Well, they need three of them, well, so I hopefully know. they get one. But I mean, one. a real legit right. wide receiver. And now you got sort of thunder and lightning uh, split out. You're getting Shaheen out there with the new wide receiver, and you got in the backfield. You got uh, Cohen and Howard. All I'm saying is from a creative, work with me, a creative point of view, an offensive coordinator, he could be like a kid in a candy store. Sure. I got the I got the the uh, the, the hard driving Howard, and I got the scat back Cohen. I got the big tight end, and I got whoever the new, uh, the big wide receiver that's fast, you know, the Willie Galt type guy, or Alshon Jeffrey. Someone better than Willie, because Willie couldn't catch well, the ball. Alshon Jeffrey type me. guy, if he yeah. didn't have all the baggage. And if he didn't take PEDs. Well, right, right, all and the if baggage. if he wanted to play here in no, Chicago. No, I'm, not, yeah. I'm not advocating him, a type guy, yeah, you know. Right. Right. Now, all of a sudden, offensive corner, you you got fun to be the mad scientist back there, don't you? Well, I think you can be the, I think you can be that kind of way no matter what if you want to take chances. Mm -hmm. But when you take chances, you turn the ball over, and this Bears team doesn't seem to want to turn the ball over ever, right. especially after the first four games with Mike Lennon. So mm -hmm. they're trying to avoid uh, turning the ball over, and yeah. and uh, so they probably don't take nearly as many chances. They did open up the offense. A lot against Detroit. Let, they may have to open it up against Philadelphia, even though they're going up against the Eagles, who are the first, number one, best team against the run. And, uh, you know, the Bears three times this year have put more than 222 rushing yards out there. They've only won two of those three games. And when they lost, the last one against Detroit. Where's our crazy stat again? The Eagles have scored fewer than 26 points only once this season. And the Bears have scored more than 26 points over only uh, once this season. That doesn't sound like a good uh, matchup to No, me. but you know what? It is any given Sunday. Anything can I happen in it. the National Football League. Did you say that last year? I think I say it every week. <laughs> last chance to vote. Vote right now. Murph and Fred back. And I was like, hey, I got an idea. When we return three weeks in a row, maybe one of them will be good. Vote at ESPN 1000. Murph and Fred on the home stretch. Thanks for being with us on a nice, it's beautiful, Saturday. All right, uh, Twitter poll. Let's bring in EO11, our executive producer, Eric Ostrowski. Who will be, which of these uh, will be closer to the truth? Shaheen will have a very good career. B, Cohen will have a very good career. C, both will have very good careers. D, they will both be Bustolas. You made it tough when you put very in there. I know. A so. very good career. Very good career. So, uh, Fred, I think we're going to get the... Uh, I don't know where they... I know, I'm voting. I'm voting C. I think they're both going to have very good careers. Uh, that's just me. Uh, Fred, did you get yeah, the vote? Yeah, if you just said good, I, uh, I would have said, said C. I but didn't leave you much wiggle room, no, though. They're so not going to be Bustolas. I'm going to have to go C. All right. Both will have very good careers. Uh, EO, what did we have? 
All right, starting at the bottom. Yeah. Cohen has a very good career with 13%. That's the least uh, favored. Yep. Uh, okay. And tied for the second and third mm-hmm. will be Shaheen has a very good career and both will be busts. Hmm. 51% says yes. both will have very good careers. Nicely done. Thunder and lightning. Now, I, I guess we're just uh, wishful thinking. Thunder. So we I might think. have to steal Jesse's uh, lightning round with the thunder and lightning for those guys in the backfield. All right, Fred. Uh, I hate nicknames. I've got it's just an, me. Uniforms never bother me, and nicknames always have. I've got so an figure idea. Figure that one out. All right. Give me some idea music there. Oh. All around Chicago. Light bulbs over the head. Bingo. Everyone's getting ideas with the idea music. All right, Fred, I'm looking for a, trying to a one time have a good idea. Two, three weeks ago, I said, how come Comcast Sportsnet, now NBC Chicago. NBC Sports Chicago. Chicago or Chicago Sports. When the Bulls are not on their station, the old Comcast, <laughs> and they're on nine, or they're on network nationally, why don't they still do the Will Purdue and the guys before and after? And guess what? They do. They're doing it. Yep. Before and after, even if they're not carrying the game, there's the guys. Yep, and I it. love it. Yep. So that was an idea that uh, maybe they'd already done it or thought of it. I think they stole it from me. That's okay. fine. That's fine. Uh, last week, eliminate the coin flip before the game in NFL. I said, you know what? In baseball, you don't flip a coin to see who's the home team no. and the road team. No, you don't. In hockey, you just drop the puck. I said, why not? And then, Fred, you had an idea. And then I said, either the home team, they always have the, they always win the flip. So they say defer or take. And you thought maybe the road team should have the right to do it. Yeah, the road team should have the right Whatever. to defer. Yeah. You don't need the coin flip. All right, here's my idea. EO 11, you're a basketball guy. Fred? All right. It's called defensive. I'm sorry, I misspoke. Offensive free throw rebounds. All right? Okay. In other words, you're shooting, your team's shooting a free throw, and you're trying to get the rebound. EO 11, you got two guys underneath from the other team. Then you got your two guys, and then if they want, they put uh, then the, the defense again the next two, right? right? Right. Back from the hoop. What if you did this? What if underneath each team gets a guy? In other words, you got the shooting team underneath on one side, and you got the defensive rebounding team on the other side. The middle two are alternated flip-flop again, and then you flip-flop again. So you got uh, like the home team, road team, home team on the one side, and then the road team, home team, road team, as I said that right. So in other words, it's not automatic that the defense is going to get the rebound. I tried to find a number. It was very hard to find. I was Googling all day one day. Def- uh, offense, free throw, rebounds. And it appeared to be about 11% yeah. of the time that the shooting team gets the free throw. If you're underneath one, one on each team, it'd be 50-50. Doesn't that have a lot of great ideas, uh, a lot of great uh, uh, results? But see, you're, there's a, the guy at the free throw line is offensive guy. Yes. And the offense already has the advantage. That's one of the reasons yeah, you want I'd to have the defense. Yeah, I'd rather punish him. Right. I'd rather punish the free throw shooter yeah. for not making a free throw. Or, I hear you, or you punish the team for fouling him a little more. That's what that free throw is. Right. Already. That's punishment. Well, punish them more. They get a chance. Yeah. They get, how many uh, lashings is Murph giving right. out? How, many, how much punishment <laughs> is, should there be? And think about all the all the rebounding underneath. Now, that would be fun to well, watch. Well, that's like one of the silly rules that uh, the World Hockey Association years ago, the WHA had a rule where you, if you were penalty killing, you couldn't yeah. ice the puck until you got past your blue line. Okay. Which 
was interesting. And then the more I thought about it, I said, hold it. They're already trying to kill a penalty. Now you're making them get past the blue line. So now you're double penalizing. Hey, Eric, you know what? Until uh, the late 40s, the NBA, they did it that way, what I just said. Had it evenly like that? Oh, yeah. yeah. So, see, they wised up and got rid and of it. And they were probably beating the hell out of each other under there because no longer is it just a box them out and it's my ball. Uh, hey, want to thank our guests today. Oh, two of our great guys, thank you very much. Sam Smith and uh, Mark Gonzalez. Uh, thanks, fellas. We appreciate it very much. Yeah, and don't forget uh, Eric Ostrowski for all of his help. He'll be back with me tomorrow as I'll be here with Mongo from 9 till noon, breaking down Bears and Eagles. Murph and Fred saying thanks for listening. Thanks for calling. See you later, everybody.